Warning, the Dove Talk podcast may contain language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also, please know that spoilers for the series Akudama Drive will occur, along with potential spoilers for other anime series. Use caution in case we discuss a series that you haven't finished yet. Finally, the opinions expressed in today's episode are those of the individual participants and may not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Andrew, why are you, what are you looking at me for? Why are you, what, what is with that, that stare? It's very creepy. Why do you have a knife, too? What do you mean I look so pretty in red? I I don't... Red's not my color. Really, it's blue, but okay. Okay, no, no. You go outside. We're not doing this today. We are not doing this whole psychopath thing today. You go outside. Think about what you've done. Okay? Good God. Ugh. Dealing with... Freaking crazies, Lord Almighty. Greetings, one and all, and welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast where the scums of the earth discuss the latest and the greatest in English dubs. I'm the Akudama known as Swindler, aka Stephanie, and tonight I am joined by my fellow Akudamas. Uh, I never gave them titles, but we're just gonna go with it. Uh, Brawler Hardy. Wait, I'm the black dude? I don't know! I'm making shit up! I mean, Jamal is right there. Oh my god, don't make it awkward. <laughs> Alright, fine. You want to be cutthroat? Uh, I'll be I'll be courier, thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dr. Megan. Why do I have to be doctor? Why can't I be hoodlum? Because Doctor's the only other female character. Yeah, but I she mean, sucks. Do you want? I know. Do you want to wear a pompadour? Pompadours are sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and because I now have been corrected, Brawler Jamal. Hey. Hey. Fuck. Oh, I gotta take my glasses off. Holy shit. <laughs> anyway, well, that was a disaster of an opening. Great. Yeah. Uh, we're Just rolling like with my it. sex life. Tonight, the four of us are about to commit the biggest crime of them all, discussing the English dub of the massive hit from fall of 2020, Studio Perot's Akudama Drive. I was going to say, is it the biggest crime of all anime fans liking an English dub? I mean, we've done that several times at this point. And that's why we have these sentences. I know, right? Mm -hmm. I'm kidding. Only, Lord, this, only angry. This, <laughs> only, only. Yeah, no. The executioners would be sub theorists. Oh no! Oh, we're changing the subject real fucking fast. Um, I'll see if you, you all in hell. <laughs> if you have yet to dive into this cyberpunk thriller from much of the creative staff behind the Daigon Rapa franchise, here's your quick summary. I pulled it from ANN. Unfortunately, for some weird reason, the home video release doesn't have it. I don't know why. Long ago, there was a war between Kanto and Kansai, and the world was split apart. Kansai became a vassal state of Kanto and developed in it, and it developed in its own particular way. However, the power of the government and the police is waning, and crime is widespread. These criminals are called Akudama. As these Akudama gather together in one place, their aesthetics will clash, with, and an ordinary girl will get caught up in their world of crime. 
Lord, this is a long time coming. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We okay. We were talking about this before Megan hopped into the call. We have been trying to get this episode done for about a year. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> then shit happened, and then a DVD release happened, and we're like, well, if we want to watch the director's cut, we might as well watch. We might as well wait. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, Santa's fat ass showed up. Because <laughs> we've had, God, we've had different emergency things. We had personal things come up for hosts. We've had the change in the, we had a change in the host lineup for this episode, actually. We've had tech problems. We've had... Again, the home video release with director's cut happening, so that and pushed it back more. And a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, um, no, like, this is one of those ones where it's like, we have to do it. We can- It's not cursed. This is not a cursed episode. We yeah, unlike sure Rewrite Derrida, this is actually coming out. Mm-hmm. Huzzah! Uh, but yes, I'm so excited about this. Patreons, take a hint. Don't you give them ideas. Oh, Don't come on, it could them- be- it could be worse. You're saying that considering we know one of the Patreons will send us her shit. Look, don't make that man fall die for ideas, please. Exactly. <laughs> insert, we need to just insert a video of Josh here going, hey. <laughs> <laughs> like he... <laughs> We love you, Crimson. I love anyway. You, Josh. Anyway, as always, we're going to be going through the show from start to finish, talking about the casting, staffing, and performances from the English dub. Buckle up, folks, because it's about to get crazy. <laughs> oh, boy, is Dub it. talk is not liable for any loss of life or limb. <laughs> or property. Loss, or property. Speaking of the catastrophic destruction of the world, can I say one thing before we Can we talk about the major spoiler in the room? What? So, we know this is from the creators of Attack on Rampa, right? Mm. I'm about to pull a King's Game on this, so massive spoilers right off the bat. Because I, cause I have to shout this because it's me. Everybody fucking dies! <laughs> well, there uh, you yeah, have it, folks. Well, Good night. except two people, but... Uh... They can't die, stays. and that's also a spoiler. Okay, four Spoilers. people. I forgot about them. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I forgot a couple others. Those okay. two are dead inside. They're dead, <laughs> basically. <laughs> but yeah, so nobody, not really anybody, escapes this unscathed. <laughs> so we have the disclaimer up front of the episode, but for a reason, people. Yeah, we're just gonna throw that out there. That's why I also said. Uh, that's why I also went and said, "Spoiler warning: Everyone fucking dies." I'm pulling a king's game right now. <laughs> Everybody fucking dies. Got to repeat. Anyway, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. You get death. You get a death. You get a death. Everybody here gets death. Yes. Yes. <laughs> screw yeah, you. Screw you. Screw you. You're cool. <laughs> screw you. <laughs> get in the van. Fuck. No, get Fuck on the you. motorbike. Fuck you. <laughs> oh my god. But anyway, Lord. I had to address the spoiler in the room. So nobody nobody really survives. Everything goes to shit. <laughs> Society comes crashing down. This show is fucking bug nuts. There's a there's a motorcycle <laughs> with a rail gun. <laughs> Cause why not? <laughs> spider bike. Spider bike. Spider bike. If you think does spider- whatever a spider bike does. <laughs> if you if you don't think spider bike is cool, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Let's just dive right into this. There's quite a bit to cover, yet it's also very simple to cover, thank God. Mm. This is probably one of the more simpler castings, 
and cast less that we've ever dealt with in recent memory. Jocks <laughs> on wood, I heard that. <laughs> um, anyway, so starting off, of course, we have our ADR staff. We have the ADR director, the assistant ADR director, and our team of script writers. Now, this little joint, this little fun joint is a Funimation, Funimation licensed show with a dub produced thanks to the awesome folks at Coaches Sound. So, you know what that means. Our ADR director is one Miss Brittany Lotta, who has directed series such as Angels of Death, The Morose Mononokian, and Legends of the Gal Legend of the Galactic Heroes Denoy Tesse. She is assisted by Matt Shipman, who has also worked as assistant ADR director for series such as I Know Kusabi, Ensemble Stars, and Rio Rainbow Gate. And as for our team of scriptwriters, both Brittany and Matt serve as additional scriptwriters. Uh, Brittany for episodes 4 and 5, and Matt for episodes 4, 5, 8, and 12. Uh, writing credits for Brittany include Yudin Chan, Legend of Galactic Heroes, where she acted as the script supervisor, and Ladies vs. Butlers, where she act where she did additional script editing. For Matt, he has done script work for Ace Attorney Season 2, Hensky, and Mix Mesa Story. However, the majority of this series is written by Clayton Browning, who has written for other series such as Arte, No Guns Life, and SS, SS Gridman. I would like to go round robin style this evening, if you will indulge me. Uh, how do we want to kick this off? Who, who what, what, what are our thoughts on the directing and the writing of this show? Because holy shit, this show is a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, I think this is one of this is one of those ones where they, I think it became like a really fun sleeper hit. If I remember right, mm -hmm. from from the fall season. Yeah. Like, uh, holy mother of God. I'll start us off if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. No, I think that the direction on this show is nothing short of spectacular, considering it came out um, at the time it did during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, right. They could have easily gone with a very, very tried and true cast of, of characters. Um, but no, they went the extra mile and they pulled in actors from who, who weren't at the time really known for being in Funimation dubs. They went out of their out of their way to bring in actors from L.A., to bring in actors from Texas. I think um, even some of them from New York. Yeah. Yep. And it's not only that, but it's a good mix of both brand new talent and tried and true talent. But mm -hmm. the main roles were more brand new and sort of the secondary and ancillary characters were have some of the the more well-made notes um this dub is in my opinion this is what happens mm -hmm. when you take a very 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 experimental approach and everything comes together just as planned um yeah yeah i i think the direction is great as far as the script writing is concerned um i just love their banter between the seven of them and um, yes. and uh, between their banter back and forth with the executioners or they're fighting them and just when they're when they have their big individual speeches, I think Swindler's speech at the end of episode 11 and then Doctor's big Final Fantasy villain speech at episode eight, I believe. Ten? Oh, eight. Okay, I was like... Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I just I think ev all around everything is just a really, really 
solid, cohesive experience. Mm-hmm. And I'll get back to this in final thoughts, but I, I would just want to say I am very impressed with how everything came out. No, yeah, because this is a very, like, the show itself is very stylized, and it takes a good amount of, like, tropes from, like, well-known movies to the point where basically every single episode of the show is, in some form of fashion, titled after a film and also in some ways an homage to certain films. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's very interesting how on the Japanese side it was taken from that. But also on the adaptation front with the script writing and even the direction, like how that's also incorporated so those pieces aren't lost in the shuffle. Because there's a lot that happens in this show. Mm -hmm. And and I, I love, I love, oh my god, I love this so much. And if I'm correct... I believe this is the first show Funimation outsourced to Kocha ever since they started outsourcing some things more often to like the sound cadences, to more Okatrons, to um, uh, NYV posts on occasion. I think this was the first outsourced to Kocha. Yeah, I think it is. So for this to be the big thing for them, like, kudos, 100%. Like, oh, I love it. I do. (laughs) It's just so exciting. Also, there are some fun, clever little lines throughout that I wrote down. I guess you're going next step. Well, I'm saying round, I said round robin, so however we want to fucking go, I'm not setting an order. I, you can just th- add comments however you want. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> round robin style. Like, though, I think some of the funniest dialogue would come from a mix of Brawler and Hoodlum. Because... Oh yeah, those two together are the fucking funniest shit in the world. <laughs> the greatest shit! Especially Brawler, because Brawler is more brawn than brain. Yep. 100%. Brawler is Brawler is fight sexual. <laughs> he is sexually attracted to fighting. To fight. fighting. Right. Like, for instance, in episode fucking two, when they're trying to flag down one of those blimp bus things yeah and brawl is like fuck this shit he goes launching himself goes over to it he breaks in he does the a moment that jamal referenced earlier but he's like um how do i drive this thing and then hacker's just like all right you dumbass he he hacks it he brings over he's like never mind i figured it out brawler brawler went yeet (laughs) brawler go yeet yeah that that, him breaking the uh the glass with his face is a sort of a reference to terminator 2 Yes. Ah. Yep. I may have a I may have a film I may have a background in in film studies. I I I watched the show in a day while yeah. I was at work. <laughs> I rewatched this in the span of two days. Also, also, I think this was another fun. I think this was a brawler line from like episode five. Expo really rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Expo. Uh, my my favorite moment in episode the episode where they learn about what's actually going on with the sis the brother and the sister yeah is just when he tells doctor to stop bullying the children yeah gave me such vibes of okay has anybody here ever seen Community before uh, that's what I missed actually I've not okay one you should watch the first four seasons of Community they're fucking great mm-hmm. um. Two, there is a part where um, they're talking and the character Britta goes, I can excuse the racism, but I draw the line at, uh, I draw the line at animal abuse. I was thinking and about she- yeah, that. Yeah, Brawler has And Shirley similar. goes, 
Charlie goes, you can excuse the racism? And my only thought of that scene was, I can excuse the murder, but I draw the line at bullying. <laughs> no, yeah. So I guess I'll go ahead with my thoughts because I, I am talking my ass off here. I will admit, I, I think I'm a little bit more mixed on the show compared to everybody else. Um, I think the show is really good. There's some thematic elements that lost me mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of it. But if if I'm talking about just the dub and only the dub, right? I think that this is by f- the dub for me was the best part of watching the show. I thought it was fantastically put together. I thought that the use of certain actors in this was top notch, and that's going outside of the three main ki- the the seven Akudama. Mm-hmm. I actually think that one of the best this show has one of the most underrated performances. I've heard because I've heard absolutely nobody talking about it. I think the writing on this was able to strike the balance between um, being true to the story and getting its themes across while also being able to punch things up in the right way. Nothing felt like it was out of place for this. And I think the thing I appreciate about the casting of the main characters so much is that I genuinely felt like when those people liked each other, they would 100% go through with this stuff for them. Mm -hmm. And I think it helps because if you know anything about this cast, they were people who, I don't, I I don't want to say necessarily that they all know each other, but they, they had a connection together outside of this. Yeah. So yeah, the uh, the Among Us streams they yeah. really connected. Yes, they did streams of Among Us, and that that really, like I said, it it helped to me. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think I'm all gone. I think I'm all good until we start talking about the actual characters. Okay. Any other comments or anything? I think Jamal. Yeah. I don't know if you had anything, I haven't gone yet. So yeah. basically, with this entire show is like what giant love that it's a movie tropes. Oh. While while keeping his own story original, though there is one of my least. Oh, for me, I didn't see. If I can interject, I actually never really thought of the movie references outside of the title, the name titles. I actually was super into this because of the uh, the politics that it was talking about. Yeah. Oh boy. Also, I think I realized why you mixed on the show. I it occurred to me what movie kind of reminds me of, but when we get to that, we'll get to that. But yeah, there's like movie references, not just with the titles, but also the actions in the shorts of itself. Yep. And of course, the Among Us references, because I remember the one episode, Father's actor says, I hate it here. That's like a constant thing he did in Among Us streams. But... Oh, the, ah! uh, you're going to learn that was the one that I always thought of, which was from episode one. <laughs> that's a, that's one of the ones from the stream. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I know which one That'll you need. Yeah, that'll learn. That'll learn. That's what it is. That'll learn. Yeah, that'll learn. Hi, Maddie. Yeah, which is which is another thing too with the casting because also, uh, hold on, what the hell is going on? This because outside of the seven Akudaba, of course, most of be from the Among Us streams. Mm-hmm. I also like the approach they took with uh, like some of the uh, wallet casting as well because for one, because in one episode you have the Stimic Brothers to deliver yeah. Bob to the gang. Uh, ben Barbara said that. He not only gets a scalpel in his fort stuck in his 
uh, pelted into his forehead. He also gets his head blown off in the same episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Rest in piss. Maddie, Maddie Moore has played every security troll. Which is yep. which is kind of funny when you hear the last episode is the executioner because you hear what seconds the executioner, another second is the troll. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, yep. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of pretty cool stuff in there. Okay, I know we're not I know we're not talking about her, but who the fuck played the blonde haired executioner that got the kill shot? Uh, that, I think Kristen. that was Kristen McGuire, yeah. It was Kristen. Shut the, shut the fuck up. Nope, that was that Kristen. Was shut that was Kristen f- and her partner, of course, is Clifford Chapin. Shut the fuck up. Yes. I'm not, not joking. We're not kidding not you. We're not kidding you. Nope, wish I could make that up. It, it's it's a fact. Fuck off. <laughs> not to Kristen, not to Kristen or Cliff. Just, <laughs> but to just, us, apparently. I'll send yeah, you, you, I'll, 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 I'll send you the tweet later, but yeah. I believe, I'm not, no, I'm not gonna say I don't believe you. She's, I'm also she, just... Like I said, I'm very tired. Also, can I can I just say there was some fun, like minor role casting choices that were made throughout the course of this. Yeah, so very. There, like we're not gonna t- we're not covering all of them, but like you had Mike Pollock as the police chief in episode one, with Griffin Puatu taking over after that Mc- as Mc- the other police chief. But obviously, the biggest uh, that, fucking that surprise. McGriff, the quad Puatu. Yeah, obviously the biggest fucking surprise out of nowhere came from fucking, um, it was episode eight? Seven. um, Oh, you mean with the, uh, the headmaster? Yes. That was seven, right? Yeah. Yeah. City of Lost Children. So, yeah. Ah, you right. So, uh, um, hmm. I don't know how y'all did it, but um, thank you for getting Dan Green to pop in here for no fucking reason. Wait, what the hell? That was Dan Green. Shut the fuck up. No, No, we're not kidding you. That was Dan Green. I didn't even know. God damn it. I didn't even notice. (laughs) Like, you, 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 like, unless you knew ahead of time or if you saw, like, tweets of the casting. Because it sounds nothing like him. Exactly. And because of all of the, like, um, bits of audio robotic like distortion that were added to it as well. You can't really tell unless Dan you Green like let them no. turn clones into smoothies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we're just blowing Megan's mind right now. This is great. I'm, I'm gonna add, I'm gonna play pot of pot of clone. I'm gonna play polymerization <laughs> unless we fuse two creatures into another creature. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I'm not wrong. They were playing polymerization. They were. I mean, it was a little gene pool, but still. Anyway, oh, I was gonna say, Christ. wait, is it polymerization or were they using a fusion gate? Uh, kind of just the same. Jamal's thing. like, shut the fuck up, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. A wizard did it. <laughs> a wizard did it. No, no, this is this is this is sci-fi. It's an AI did it, or aliens did it. There. No, no. Wouldn't you say it was a magician, a uh, dark magician? Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> I will see myself out. I'm gonna tell Andrew that you're not allowed to have sex tonight. <laughs> I don't want it. I gotta work tomorrow. I got my new job no, tomorrow, bitch. No sex. No victory sex tomorrow. <laughs> Listen, if anyone's gonna be disappointed with that, it will be him. Okay, <laughs> so, okay. We get back on track, please. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that. get back on track. I like that Shinkat said last episode. Hey. Hey. But yeah, I like the little Easter eggs and stuff and uh, little neat touches to the script. I remember 
you have Bryce Pappenberg say no can do. Oh, after, yep. after watching his friend get stabbed with the edge of a can opener. Yep. I thought, yeah. I mean, to be fair, that fucking dude earned that. Earned, he did, earned that yeah. Shit. He did. And then, Don't rape children. And then Bryce guys mind blown that after that. Mm-hmm. Quite literally, of course. But anyway, mm-hmm. I like the. I really. There wasn't really anything that, like, stood out as negative with the script. Everybody did a very good job uh, with the script. Clayton did the majority of this. He did very well. Uh, mm-hmm. Brittany and Matt. Brittany and Matt had this Herculean task of not only directing the main cast, but the entire amount of water and recording from home, too. Yes, not- because um, they also, both of them at different points served as the ADR engineers as well. Yes, so, yeah. They had their hands all over this. <laughs> Not only that, but Brit, but they, Brittany should also be lauded for her efforts as well, because if I recall, the last three episodes they had trouble with because they were dealing with power outages during a winter storm. Oh, really? Yeah. That's right, because that was around the time where fucking Texas got snowed out. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I forgot. You right. I mean, that was crazy, but... Damn, I applauded for that. I love that. Holy shit. was a thing that existed, and there was a lot of fucking shit that happened. Holy mm. hell. You remember when, you remember that in early 2021, mm-hmm. we all made jokes about Bernie Sanders sitting outside in the cold? Yeah, that was a fucking thing. <laughs> remember fucking Bean Dad? <laughs> oh, God. You want to you want to know what what hilariously has happened? I was doing like my top five anime of the year thing, and yeah. somebody was like, "Wait a second! I thought Heaven's Design Team was in fall of 2020. And I was like, "Nope, that show aired in winter." And they're like, "Fuck off." <laughs> anyway, oh, so we're ready to Any- get this caper started. Buzzy, anything else anyone wants to add about the writing and directing? Because I, I was like, all I know is like a a plus, love it, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything else? It's freaking lightning in a bottle. That's all I'm saying. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> or a railgun in a bottle. <sighs> oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on to our first set of characters, or should I say, our first set of um, mascots? Probably, maybe. Yeah. Exposition dump. Oh fucking no. Uh, we're talking about bunny Propaganda. and shark. Propaganda. There it is. Bunny and shark, boys and girls. So Bunny and Shark are these, like, cartoonish, um, cut-out puppetry kind of thing, and they are part of an educational show that airs in Kansai, like, 23 hours a day. Yes. Educational with quotation marks. 23 times a day. That's the, that's the wording that was used, I believe. Um... Yes, education with quotations, like Hardy said. Um, but the main purpose, at least for us, the viewer, uh, they serve a lot as exposition dump as to like the background between Kansai and Kanto and all the other uh, pieces, like what the Shinkansen is, uh, the absolute quarantine zone, all this other fun stuff. They're the main exposition for the viewer themselves. Until they get hacked at the end, which is fucking great. <laughs> anyway, the individuals voicing these two. As Bunny, we have Michael Kovac, who doesn't have a lot of anime credits as of right now. Aside from Bunny, he's also voiced Letty in Dragon Ghost House Hunting. However, you would also know Michael for his role as Angel Dust in Hasbun Hotel. Oh, that person. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, as for Shark, we the have former some- voice of him. Ah, okay, yep. I did not know this. 
Mm-hmm. Did not know this. Uh, as for Shark, we have Sungwon Cho, who has voiced characters such as Hyodo in Gretzko, Master Lord Majesty in Radiant, and... And... What? Did I have him as a background in Garo Vanishing Line? What happened here? Yeah, he's one of of the uh, computer voices. Yeah, the Eldo Death voices. I believe he did the Korean voice. It was a whole thing. Okay, Uh, he's not... Okay, that's why. It was... I have it listed as, like, a background role for... But there's been more announced later. He's, um... Because I originally wrote this up months ago. He's also Cat Viper in One Piece. Let's throw that one in there as well. You might also... You might also know by his online handle, Pro CD. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where he does covers of Japanese music is Goofy. Baka Matai is the best one. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I can't, decide, uh, I can't also... decide whether I want him to do the real folk blues or Snow Halation next. Oh, he's already done Snow Halation. Oh, he has? As Goofy? Yeah. Oh, that wow. That was the first one he did. Oh, nice. I need to go back and listen to that. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna get you the link now. Well, <laughs> while we're doing this, um. So okay, so Bunny and Shark, Michael and Songwon Cho, again, they really only serve most mostly as the exposition, um. But they are very fun. <laughs> like they're these fun cartoony voices, um. That are just like, hi, you kids. Like it's it's like a goofy. Oh, hi, you kids. Hi, you kids. Hi, you kids. Oh, you. <laughs> We're gonna get our asses in trouble. I'm so sorry. Much. I looked up. I looked up. I looked up the pro CD thing of, yeah. of him singing, uh, singing uh, Snow Elation, <laughs> and I forgot he photoshopped Goofy onto all the girls. Oh God! <laughs> oh! 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 Are you okay? Are you okay? Well, I'm good. Are you sure you're good, Jamal? Like I, t- like I told you, there's been something going around lately. Like, Oh, you were sneezing. Okay, I was like, that, I thought you were that, dying. That was not the sneeze. Oh. I'm confused. It was a okay. cough. It was a cough. Okay. okay. It sounded like either a sneeze or you were just like falling out of your chair. I don't know what to make of this now. God, as long as you're okay. Anyway. So... Back to Bunny and Shark. So cartoons abound happen. However, I'm going to give at least Michael some props. Bunny has a couple of moments where he kind of gets very dark. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, where the propaganda mask is slipping. Oh, yeah. Because that's that's what these two are. They're, they're state-sanctioned propaganda from Kansai. Yep. Because they tell you about the Great War, which was... pretty. I'm pretty sure it was one side dropping a nuke on the other, and the one side decided, you know... Upload their brains to Skynet. Um, <laughs> have you ever seen? Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen? Uh, History of the entire world. I guess you can download a brain, which is that's the part that fucking lost me in this show. That's the part that fucking lost me was the whole like At the least kids. The ki- like the- the- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like the whole we made we 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 blended a bunch of clones into a clone smoothie to make the perfect two clones to upload Skynet into their body was just where it was like yeah no I don't think I'm gonna like I've had a good discussion with some people what it's a metaphor for and what it means I'm just like I st- it's like I understand that's your reads and I I kind of agree with them on some level yeah. I 
still don't fucking get it. And I don't know how much I think it was well executed. Well, but like, sure. But at least to the like, dub's to credit, Hacker got to have a fun zinger regarding that, actually. Yeah. You're gonna, you wouldn't upload your brain. You wouldn't download a brain. Um, like, this is the weirdest, this is like the stupid stereotypical side. I'm not gonna like, lie, Hacker though. Hacker has an I'm, actual I'm, line about it. I'm not gonna lie, though. Hacker's death was fucking stupid. Um, A little bit. I, but his hey. death was by far the dumbest death in the show. It was um, it, though. Yes, actually, I thought it was kind of dumb. Um, it was it was dumb and kind of weird. That's my like most disliked part. Kind of weird. Kind of weird. Yes, dumb. Meh, maybe. I I I am not a huge fan of what I I I'm not very much a huge fan of how hacker hacker. I think hacker got done dirty, but whatever. Hacker did get um, done dirty. I will agree with you on that one. A lot of people got but, done dirty. His in turn, I'm not talking about in terms of like how they actually died in the show. I'm talking about like the above level writing and how they were utilized. Right, yeah, because you in Hacker's case, but, like he leaves like not even. We'll talk. We'll talk about that when we get more to Hacker. And his yeah, cars. you right. But anyway, really Bunny liked, and Shark. I really like Michael in Sun One's performance. There was at least in Sun One's thing where like I could tell he sounded like he was dying a little inside, and I don't mean that as a negative. I don't mean that as a negative. I mean it sounds like a guy who has had to do the same like. Sorry for bringing politics into this. It sounds like the same guy who's had to play MAGA Elmo for decades on end. Oh no! Okay, wow. Where like that's an extreme, can... but it makes sense. That's the only way oh, I can describe it, Stephanie. I know. They're literally making propaganda about how the gods in Kanto are going to give them a great life, and how the gods right. of Kanto are so good when the gods of Kanto are literally a fucking box in space. <laughs> Not even There's space. no goddamn moon, Stephanie. <laughs> it's an illusion. The moon is a lie. Literally. Sorry, kids. The moon's a lie, just like the just... moon. The moon was in fact made of cheese. <laughs> the moon is a lie, just like the lie my biological dad told me when he went out to go get cigarettes. Um, oh no! At least we know okay. the moon's not haunted no more. <laughs> yeah, at least that NASA employee can come back. <laughs> And now we can learn about everything from NFA to NFT. Oh, God. Which we all hate. Yep. So does Charlton Heston, the musical. Anyway. Um, but no, and then Michael has this weird kind of cutesy up, up starty thing. And the thing is that I can never tell which one of them is supposed to be the dumb one in the conversation. Which mm. I think works really, really well as a propaganda right. tool. And how it really plays to their performances. Because you can't always tell which one is the smart one and which one's the dumb one. At the end of the day, you're entertained because, haha, they say funny. I like I like your funny words, Magic Man. <laughs> oh, shit. JFK from Clone High is sitting in front of Shark and Bunny and clapping. <coughs> and uh, now that I have, uh, you know, officially pissed off the, cave, the grave of the Kennedys, I'm going <laughs> to hand it over. All right. Anything else to add? I, again, I will say, I, I to give Michael some props. Like Bunny is the one out of the two that has those moments where like facade drops, like my, like the propaganda, the propaganda bus kind of comes in a little bit, um, and it's just like, it's the Bunny voice, but it's kind of like more softer and kind of menacing, and I like that a lot, honestly. Um, any other thoughts, boys? Anything else to throw in? Uh, Mike does a good Tom Kenny impression. If you don't know who Tom <laughs> Kenny is, he's the voice of SpongeBob. 
Uh, oh boy, yep, that, that, that makes sense. Uh, Pro CD was good as the shock. Honestly, I couldn't tell, like, who was who at first. So I looked it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but like Megan said, you couldn't tell which one was dumb either. So that, and I didn't really think too much about it. So that kind of worked out very well. I mean, yeah, they're definitely noticeable. But at the same time, it's like, it doesn't really bother you too much or anything. Because, like, they do, because... They have a sole purpose, which is just exposition up, especially when you get to the uh, mm-hmm. the whole thing unravels. So. Oh yeah, and then they get their asses hacked by hacker, and that's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, this was a show that I know we don't really do predictions anymore, but mm-hmm. I this was a show that I really liked, and so I went ahead and did some. Oh um, really? Okay. Yeah, back when I was fan casting the show, I actually thought Bunny was played by a girl. And oh, so okay. my my predictions for Bunny and Shark were Tia Ballard and Josh Greeley, respectively. Oh, that would have been fun. Yeah. But uh, but uh, as for Michael and Songwon, yeah, I think that they are definitely cartoony and fun to listen to. And uh, then they um, they definitely serve their role as the sort of propaganda mascots. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, thankfully they survive going through the contamination zone. So, yeah, but again, they also got their asses hacked by hacker at the end. So right. Yeah. So, so yeah, there there are a lot of either fun that to... either that or hacker just set up a yeah. system or a fake bunny shark. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm saying that. this all right now as my my uh, my shark and bunny standees are staring right at me from my. <gasps> From across you have the a shark and bunny standees. They're in the they're they're in the they're Oh, in they're the... in the set. I need to yeah. go. Oh, yeah. Okay, I forgot. Yeah. My bad. They're in the LE set. I forgot. Yeah, I set them on top of my Blu-ray player right in front of me, so they're sitting there staring at me as I say this. So Oh hell yeah. It's kinda creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Andrew's come out. He's going to go get the standee out of the box, I think. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> because he heard me. <laughs> uh, any right. any other addition, Any other additional things to say about Michael or Sungwon? Oh, before yeah. Before I, we move on? I like how when uh, they, end the, uh, they end the discussion, it, they, <laughs> the way they transition out from the propaganda screen to the next scene was pretty awesome, actually. Oh, yeah. How they, oh, yeah, it's the always TV. like on a TV or a screen. And then it just sort of pulls out, and it's except the... for episode eleven. Oh god, because that's where it ends. Exce- that is the one exception to that, because that is the point when um, Swindler and Courier are like basically in the Shinkansen or in the um, what the heck they call it, the nowhere zone. Oh yeah, yeah, the decontamination zone. Right, but they're like in this weird frame of mind thing, and then because oh yeah, Shark... they're in the decontamination zone thing because they're hallucinating, and that's what happens because that's how you get turned into Skynet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, because at that point, Buddy and Shark somehow are now real, and they're not in a TV. So the voice distortion for like a TV programming is not there. The static mm-hmm. is not there. They're like actual beings in this hallucination of theirs. But anyway, uh, anything else? No, that's yes, it. Yes, no, maybe that's so. Uh, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> hmm. Time to talk um, about the good guys. 
we want to get really fucking political now. Let's. Oh boy. I hope you're ready for Megan to be insufferable. <laughs> Yay! Well, welcome to fuck the popo with the anime. <laughs> yeah, this cop's right. is a cab. This shows right. a cab. All right, 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 all right. Matt McConaughey, what are you doing in my uh, what are you doing in my podcast? Get out of here. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey has entered Shoot. the chat. <laughs> Shoot, go back to go back to doing what the fuck you do in Texas. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're gonna talk about the executioners. So the executioners are essentially the are the law when the police can't do shit. Um, they are the ones responsible for carrying out the executions of high-ranking Akudama, and in this case are seven who seven who end up S-ranked because Hoodlum and Swindler are very interesting in and of themselves. Um, but we'll talk about Hoodlum those. Hoodlum and Swindler are like, this is not my beautiful house. This is not my house. Swindler especially, she's like, this is not, no, why? Why that, why? Why 500 yen? Why? As the days go by, water flowing underground. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So we are going to be talking about four executioners in particular um, that play a moderate to major role in the show. We have the master, we have his pupil, we have the executioner boss, and we have the junior executioner. So, (laughs) I know. So get used to the weird titles. There's no actual names in this show. Yeah. Uh, No, I'm laughing about. They explain that actually uh, in episode six if you pay close attention. Uh, it may seem like it's weird that none of the characters have actual names. There's a reason for that. Uh, they're assigned numbers. If you for the executioners, yes, I'm just saying yeah. in general because you have like Courier, you have Swindler. They don't. Mm. Nobody in this show has an actual name. But yeah. you are correct. In the case of the executioners, they are known by numbers. Mm-hmm. Um. So background, real quick on these characters. We're first introduced to the master and the pupil in episode two as they are hunting down our. Merry band of misfits. Pupil <laughs> um, sucks ass at her job. <laughs> um, for the most part, yes. Uh, Listen, not even Anakin was that shitty of a Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but um, the two of them are the main force that try to track down the Akudama uh, until Master bites it. Because again, everyone fucking dies. So the Master bites it after getting to an altercation with Brawler. Uh, the cage and- fight of a century. Fuck off. <sighs> Fuck off, Crunchyroll nominating. Nominating that against a My Hero fight that happened a year before. Go to hell. Oh, I thought you were going to say fuck off, Jake Paul. <laughs> Him too. That too. I mean, yes. That's, that's, Jamal, that is never not happening in my life. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so after Master... It, the master dies. Uh, pupil ha- gets a new partner in junior. Uh, so we have the junior executioner, and they are a, a team until the end of the show. And then the boss executioner is just the boss of all the executioners. She's the head bitch in charge, even though she's fucking corrupt as shit. Uh, corrupt and power hungry is all fucking hell. So make of that what you will. Uh, anyway, the individuals voicing these characters as the master executioner, we have DC Douglas, who has voiced characters such as Locus in Berserk 2017, Kel Lorenz in the Netflix version of Neon Genesis Evangelion, and Nabarius Caligo in Welcome to Demon School Irmakun. As his pupil, we have Jenny Yokobori, who has voiced Kaya Tenya in 86, Rachel in the Irregular Magic High School Visitor Arc, and Tonikawa in Over the Moon for You. 
And oh no, she's a background role in Tony Kawa over the room for you. She's three, still relatively three new. background roles actually. <laughs> yeah. Who, Jenny? Yeah, Jenny. Yep, she's still please relatively you, new. Please don't. Please tell me you brought up her her eighty six character. She, I she did. did. That was the first one I did. Oh good, because that character made me cry. Uh, as for boss, the boss executioner, we have Veronica Taylor, who has voiced other characters such as Akari Mizunashi in Aria. Ayame and Kabanari in the Iron Fortress, and of course, the original Ash Ketchum in Pokemon. She and also plays everyone's favorite, uh, everyone's favorite MILF. Oh yeah, say the Ash's mom. Oh Delia, Delia. Okay. Yeah. No, Manuela, you dumb fucks. <laughs> she is Manuela. That's right. Uh, three houses. Anyway, oh. as for- I love that she plays the ultimate MILF. Ash's mom. <laughs> She's not <laughs> wrong. <laughs> He's I mean, we don't wrong. know what that Mr. Mime has seen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or what he's done, he's been through. Oh, like, God. You don't know where and my hands have been, Ash. You don't know what I've seen. <laughs> Mr. Step Mime. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. What are you doing, Step Mime? Oh, Jesus. As for Junior, <laughs> Junior is voiced by Eddie Lee, who is another New York regular. Uh, he has voiced Ariel and Machia. Uh, he, Andrew's putting the bunny and shark standees in front of me now. <laughs> uh, Eddie has also voiced the director of school festival operations in Night of Short Walk On Girl, and he is also a voice, uh, and he's also, wow, Moonshadow in Yu-Gi-Oh! Arc V. That's what I'm looking for. Anyway, can I, can we start with the obvious being what the fuck veronica taylor oh yeah, yeah no i thought she was like the best performance one of the best performances of the show and nobody fucking talks about it like nobody when every time everybody talks about the akadama drop uh drive dub nobody mentions veronica taylor's in it she and is nobody so mentions veronica taylor is like the worst singular worst human being in the show that yes. isn't doctor right <laughs> that it, isn't doctor right because like, power hungry like, corrupt as shit like what the Fuck. She's terrifying. She's and the thing terrifying. is that too, if you told people that was Ash Ketchum, they'd probably cry. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so good. You, I like how you just said, you tell them it's Castle Ash Ketchum will cry, and I love that. <laughs> I love watching weebs cry. Says oh, the crying weeb. Says the crying weeb who watched Pokemon. Bullying, as a bullying. Child. I, I think one time was I think one time was a meme. Uh, bullying weeb, uh, a weeb, another weed bullying somebody for being a weeb. <laughs> like, I fucking, I fucking. No, here's the reason why I love that performance is yeah. that out of all of the executioners, there is some hope kind of left in them. Even DC yes. Douglas's guy. Yes. This woman, I, I. I I believe that this woman would look at at like the corrupt the corrupt police of many other countries and go, "You're not trying hard enough." Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like, I mean, like this woman is absolutely vile. Like, there is nothing redeeming about her, mm-hmm. and Veronica plays her as such a stern, hard ass woman. Who sounds like a lady in, like, you know the woman who's hardened her heart to get where she is in her career? Yes. That's what it reminds me of. Okay. And to me, I think the most standout moment of her character 
is when she starts pressuring Griffin Puatu's police chief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's pretty much like, she knows she can get her way mm-hmm. because he's so much of a wuss. And she's trying, and she's just goading him for not, not doing it. And there is some like straight up, like, like, I, 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 I kind of have to say it because I feel like Aquadama Drive cannot exist and talk about things the way it is, like, without bringing up the world, because a show like this doesn't exist in a vacuum state. Yes. Nor does it come from a vacuumed place. Mm-hmm. Veronica Taylor's character, and Veronica gets this across so well, that it feels like an actual person who would say, yeah, all the peop- all these protesters are actually rioters, just get them in the vans. But in her case, because the the executioner squad exists as both judge and jury, mm-hmm. it's kill them all. And right. she feels zero remorse for what she's done, even though she has killed people who were just trying to stop and get people to help because other people were just vigilanteing them in the goddamn streets. Mm-hmm. And like when one of the things that Griffin's character does is he got he do, he pulls the why did it have to be me? Yes. As the there. And then she channels it back angrily like all of these people are ruining her afternoon tea date. And Veronica's performance is so chilling. And I feel like not enough people genuinely talk about this. Like, they don't talk about how fucking good Veronica is in this. Nor do I see a lot of plays for Jenny Yobriki as the pupil who has to be both young and naive and then harden her heart. Yes. And it is at it is only until Eddie Lee's character gets shot, and God bless you, Eddie Lee, you were you were good at being a little chicken shit in this show. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, the 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 pupils pupil, oh, or several uh, several smaller pupils t- in, in a trench coat. Um, <laughs> he was a good little crybaby who eventually was the person to break the cycle because Jenny's character goes through a lot, and the only reason she stops. Is because a little girl is there with a gun. And the only reason that that little girl, played by Emily Neves, was even doing all this was because she watched her mommy and daddy get killed and then pushed away and as they were put into a trash bag right. to go to, like, the glue farm. Right. And there's you just a, feel The last horrible. third of the show, there's a lot that happens. Yeah, and I think the political aspect was better than the sci-fi aspect, so whatever. Yeah. Um, and then DC Douglas as the, the first... The first, uh, uh, the, the first master. Uh, master. He was really good. I think it was. Uh, it very much reminded me of his Yoshikaki Kira performance. If Yoshikaki Kira actually cared for children, mm-hmm. um, and not hands. Uh, but I think to me the best part about his performance is when he's uh, bouncing off a brawler's actor in their big fight. Yeah. And 100%. hell yeah. So, but I'm done, and I'm gonna pass it over. So I'm gonna add a couple of fun facts. So. Megan, did you ever watch the broadcast of Akudama Drive? No. Or just the home video? Yeah. Okay. And I'm assuming that Jamal and Hardy have watched both the broadcast version and the home video version, correct? Yep. Right. There's a few okay. episodes like in the middle that I kind of skipped over, but I watched the entire first disc and the last episode on home video. So. Okay. I so still need to go couple- back and watch The Shining so I could see... Cutthroat's oh cake boy. in all, in oh. all its... Oh, oh I'm not gonna lie that The Shining is my favorite episode of the show. 
Because it is genuinely the only anime I've ever seen let their characters have really ugly faces and not try to make it all pretty. <laughs> anyway, uh, so a couple of fun little pieces. So, one, I don't know if you noticed this. You brought up Yoshikage Kira. <laughs> Correct. So, DC got to have a JoJo reference in the fucking show, actually. And I didn't even know it until Andrew pointed it out to me last night, and I haven't seen Diamond as Unbreakable. Because he says the words, another one bites the dust. Oh, yeah, that's right. In episode six, when it was, when he was going, when he sliced open Doctor, I think it was. He sliced Doctor in yeah. half. Yeah. Sliced her in half is another one bites the dust. <laughs> I didn't even know it until you pointed it out. I'm like, you motherfucker. So first of all, very, very, very conscientious, self-aware. Love that. But so there's a reason why for us when we found out the director's cut was a thing um, that we ended up waiting on. Not just because of all the censorship being removed because blood and gore galore. So there was an additional scene that never made it to broadcast. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting also, can I also, just as a quick side note, I'm very sad that the home video version doesn't have the alternate opening visuals. That kind of is annoying. They did for, Never mind. Uh, they have an additional scene that never originally made it to broadcast air, and it involves Pupil, the boss, and Junior. And it's in the last episode. And, it, and it's really nice because it, it helps bring Pupil's story to an end. Um, instead of, like, just as a drop-off. Because for Pupil, and by extension Jenny, she had to go through so much shit and so many emotions. Like Megan said, she was a bit more naive in the beginning, but she had to harden her heart, especially after her master died. But not only that, as we continue on through the show, after master's died, she also has to look at <coughs> what her purpose is and what she's fighting for. And when she sees that little girl... Like, shooting her junior, and then all of these people freaking the fuck out because, yo, the executioners are killing ordinary people like us. What the fuck is happening? And people's just like, this isn't what I want to do. This isn't what I'm supposed to protect. So she has this really, really good scene towards the end of the show where she confronts Boss because she pushes Boss away as she's trying to get courier and the kids um and she's and people stops that so there's the additional scene has them having this bit of an altercation argument and jenny like this is the the strong one of the strongest parts of her performance i feel where she's just like this isn't what we're meant to do this isn't what we're here for look at what we've done this is our fault right directly to her boss and we have that same kid from before. She, that kid is ready to shoot the boss. Thankfully, Pupil was smart and took the bullets out ahead of time. I wish she didn't, because boss deserves to die at that fucking point. Um, but I think that like that added a lot more to Pupil's character. So first of all, thank you, Japan, for doing that. But I think that also gave Jenny such a very, very high climactic point and a good ending stop for Pupil's character. And I really, really enjoy that a lot. Um, DC Douglas is DC Douglas. Like, who are we fucking kidding? He's amazing. Uh, Eddie Lee! 
aside from him being very, very green and a sweet, naive little child that doesn't know shit, I like him. Um, but no, like, Veronica Taylor stole this section. Veronica Taylor just... Mm, I would like to see Boss dead in a ditch. <laughs> like, it's one of those arguments where it's like, if I hate you, you've done good. <laughs> Like, I hate the boss so much. She is a bitch. But that also means Veronica Taylor did a fucking good job. You know? It's, um, it's like they say, an audience will hate a bad villain, but love a good mm. one. Oh, yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those cases where boss is a very good villain because of all of the political aspects and, like, corruption and power-hungry nature that she is. Like, it's... Ugh, it's just balls to the wall bug nuts. It's ah, uh, I love it. I love it. But no, I, the Executioner Squad was very solid, a hundred percent. Boys, what are we thinking? Okay, I guess I'll go next on this. So uh, I'm gonna start with Veronica Taylor because yeah, that that boss is a bitch. Like oh. the the whole thing with boss is that like, and I realized this on my second rewatch is. Kind of, she kind of is connected to all the goings on between Kanta and Kato because you see her report to yeah. her superiors about the offering. She doesn't know what the offering is, but it's like she knows somehow something's going down. Yes. So the fact that she has to take all these precautions with these executioners is like it's very absurd. And she talks about like how as highest point. Uh, an ex executioner is almost is on the same level as an Akudama. They're almost Akudama themselves, basically. So, yeah. so when I see what the boss is up to, at, hell, even ending at one point, execute trying to get ex uh, executing uh, Order sixty six on the entire city. Kansai. God damn it! That's basically what it was. Yeah, you're right, and I hate that you're right, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it kind of terrified me, and, and Veronica did such a very good job convincing me how much of a shit this boss really is. Like, does what she does what needs to get done, no matter what the cost, and it's just goddamn. Uh, Eddie Lee, I really liked his naivete as the junior. It kind of reminded me of me when, believe it or not, I wanted to be a police officer, but even I, too, got scared. So I so I can definitely feel sympathy, but yeah, he didn't really have as much to do, especially when he got shot at one point and uh, threatened with a needle from uh, another character we'll talk about much later. Oh, that bitch. Yeah, fuck her. That bitch. She got what she deserved. Stampede! <laughs> Well, yeah, Eddie managed to do a very good job uh, get getting that across. Uh, Jay Yokobori, uh, one thing I found out about this is, and uh, it was from a stream that Chris Diosi did back when the show was being simuldubbed. Mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning, she talks about like how she kind of plays people with this kind of step on me energy to the point that... Uh, Hoodlum's actor says that her, one of her uh, pupil's favorite lines is, your fists don't scare me. <laughs> Step on me energy. I love that. Yeah, she said that she channeled uh, Michelle Rodriguez whenever she shoots. Ooh, I see it. Yes. Ooh, that's a good one. I see it. Yeah, that's a very good one. So, 
having to play that type of character with bravado, but also naivete to get it. But I think what it really got real for her was not only when she had to watch her master die, when she lost her right pupil, getting hmm. stabbed in the eye by hoodlum. Yep. Everything just shifted all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yep. And now she's looking at this from both spectrums, especially when she's put up against the wall by uh, the uh, events of episode 8. Again, we'll get to that later. But yeah, like she she was one of my favorite characters, too. I like how she handled it. Especially when she sounded like a said, uh, usually said person from this range. Again, we'll get to that later. Uh, but DC Douglas, Albert motherfucking Wesker, Jesus Christ. That, that man was ready to die for both of us. And that's another thing I realized how everything was connected. Because what did not make sense to me at first was when he reaches the Akadama outside of Expo Park in episode 6. I was like, yeah, there's some, there's more to this than I think. Like, they know what's going on, but, you know, they're told to stop these Akadabas no matter what the cost. And he was ready to fight, duke it out, ready to die for everything. Oh, yeah. To which, I remember one of the scenes I saw on Twitter was the fight scene in the hotel in episode 2. That actually convinced oh, me to watch the show, but I was just waiting for them because I heard about how awesome it was, so... The fact they got DC Douglas in the Funimation job, it's just, it's so surprising, you know? Like, well, you know, he does a very good job. Nonetheless, they all do a very good job. It's just like... This this dub just has a bunch of fun surprises. I mean, we mentioned this earlier. You have fucking Dan Green <laughs> as a one-off character. Like, and you have Veronica Taylor as this bitch of a boss. So... <laughs> Oh. It it has fun. Oh yeah, they even buy the hentai actress for this show too. Like, oh that's, lordy, that's just Brittany Lotta's connection power. She like looked at uh at um both Mike McFarlane and Caitlin Glass's connections and said, "Hold my beer." <laughs> <laughs> it's but up yeah, there. so the announcement voice on the Shinkansen Yadaika, who is uh, Brittany Lotta's friend. Apparently, they were emulating the Long Island Railroad when she did that. So uh, why yeah. would you ever? Why would you ever want to invoke the fucking Long Island Railroad? I know that Britney's from Long Island. <laughs> like I get it, but why the Long Island Railroad? Because fuck Why you, that's that why. train of all? Why that of all the trains on the New York, in the New York Metro Authority? Metro North for the win. <laughs> Right. I'm from New Jersey. I don't know any better. All right. Well, the path train is the devil. Yeah. Anyway, anything else to add? I know Hardy hasn't given had thoughts yet, so. Yeah, I'll be really quick. Um, DC Douglas and Veronica Taylor are definitely the standouts. Ginny uh, is a very strong performance, especially near the end of the show. Eddie Lee plays his character like he's got a whole lot of bark when he's yelling at little kids, but as soon as someone actually threatens him, he turns into a corn cob. Um, <laughs> a corn cob? Yeah. <laughs> ah! Okay. It's like, I'm not owned, I'm not owned, shrinks back into corn cob. Um, uh, I love when we're allowed to talk about drill tweets. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, no, he's really high and mighty when he's yelling at this little kid. But as soon as Courier and Swindler shows up, he, you know, shits his pants. So, 
<laughs> but, but yeah, no, I liked all of these performances specifically, and it's really, especially with Veronica Taylor, it's good hearing yeah. her outside of the roles that she's known for, because you know, she's kind of a little bit on the older older side these days. So her playing an older character, especially this big, uh, gruff boss, uh, really, um, really actually works a lot in her favor. So it's nice. It's nice for to hear everyone kind of step outside she the roles. Still there do now. younger boys though. Yeah, very easily so. All right, uh, that's all I have to with... say. Okay, anything mm-hmm. else to add for anyone before we move on? Mm-hmm. I'm good. Let's okay. do it. So speaking of those kids, <laughs> them that damn already... kids, <laughs> damn hooligans. Yeah. Freaking kids, get off my lawn, <laughs> uh, brother. <laughs> Brother and sister. I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you, technically kids. Yeah. <laughs> How dare! Um. So, brother and sister, <laughs> we have the only characters who really survive the whole ordeal. But man, do they go through a lot of shit in the process. Oh, uh, I love my are... MacGuffins when they're human shaped. <laughs> so, brother and sister are these. Two characters, brother being initially known as the Black Cat uh, at the start, who is instructing the Akudama on this huge heist-like thing, with the heist being getting brother and sister out of there and escaping the fate of them becoming a part of Kansai because of, oh, you know, Kansai is a quantum computer and they want an actual sustainable body and, you know, we're going to create immortal... We're gonna make immortal chill. Hold on. We're gonna make immortal children, and take their bodies and just upload our supercomputer brains to them. You know the usual shit. Now you can make your joke. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say Kansai just wanted to mint the two of them into NFTs for themselves. Oh, it's kind of a first NFTs if you think about it. Or God, no, they no, they're NFTs. There's only two of them. <laughs> I I believe the twins are quite fungible, to be honest. Yeah. It's either that or I was going to say, they, were, they were created by sticking all of their siblings into the Nirvana washing machine. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're the two Nirvana wa- washing machine that is voiced by Dan Green. Yes. The the brother and sister, they're two walking, breathing bit... Uh, um, Bitcoins? Uh, not, <laughs> not Bitcoins, but what's the... Blockchains. They're two walking, talking. Brother, sister... <laughs> The Ethereum and Eternal. <laughs> Megan's is dying. Ooh, Yuki boy, I minted your grandfather into an NFT. Motherfuckers. <laughs> God, that is such a fucking good joke. But now I'm imagining, I'm imagining, because you said it was Dan Green, so I'm just yep. imagining just the Dan Green yum Yuki just telling brother and sister that they shouldn't worry, they gotta believe in the heart of Kansai. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking quit. God, our <laughs> does that make the Akudama Kaiba Corp? Uh, no, wait, no, no. Technically, Kansai is Kaiba Corp. Kansai would be Kaiba Corp. The Akudama are our team. You gang. Which one? Okay. Hoodlum, Hoodlum, or Brawler. Which one of them is Joey Wheeler? Yes. <laughs> That's your answer. 
So is that big Swindler Yugi? No, Swindler's Taya. Are you sure? I mean, she okay, does she's, adopt okay. a different hairstyle with personality Swindler changes. is Yugi. Swindler is Yugi. Okay. Uh, Courier is Yami Yugi. Yes! Courier's the Pharaoh. Courier's the Pharaoh. The Doctor is very much my Valentine. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. 100%. Okay. Hoodlum is Tristan. Uh, no, Hoodlum is Joey. No. Hoodlum is Joey. Joey. Brawler is, is Tristan. Tristan. Uh, Hacker can be Taya. Yeah. And Cutthroat can be Maximilian Pegasus. Oh. Oh my god. At least he's not Duke Devlin, so Duke Devlin gets spared. No! no. Cutthroat is Bakura. Oh, oh yeah, Cutthroat is Bakura! Cutthroat is Bakura! I was gonna say, considering who Cutthroat is, that's the that would be the second time we've made a Maximilian Pegasus joke about him. <laughs> Remember that stuff? Just Cutthroat oh, is Bakura. God, it's been a minute, but Wait, oh, what does that Lordy. make Hacker? Oh, I have no idea who any of you are talking about. I didn't watch you. Hacker is Jaden from Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. Yeah. I, I only know OG Yu-Gi-Oh! So it's fine. Anyway, I'm sorry to derail and this. Just like, just like the Akudama derailed that train. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway. So, brother and sister are a big plot MacGuffin. Because... Kansai is weird in quantum computing, and it's it's weird. Anyway, the, the individual's voice in these two characters. As brother, we have Daisy Guvera, whose voice characters such as Mimina Osawa in Ladies vs. Butlers. She's also voiced uh, background characters and smaller roles in shows such as Jun-chan and Kimono Jihen. She actually hasn't done a ton a ton. I uh, swear, Daisy recording. Guevara is one of, is, uh, one of the bigger characters of Love Live, Nichigasaki. Also true. Uh, Laura Stahl is the voice of Sister. She voices characters such as Dorothy in Grey Pretender, Irma Suzuki in Welcome to Demon School, Irma Kun, and Rey in The Promised Neverland. So I realized something while we were sitting here talking about this. Uh, well, I'm not talking about these two. Uh, while we're talking here right now. I'm dumb. So... <laughs> I've been trying to edge on group discussions the whole time by say, calling it as a round robin and I'm stupid and for the long and I realize round robin does not mean group discussions. <laughs> so I have clearly been doing this wrong for ages. So I would like to go into group discussions instead of one at a time. Can we do it at red robin? Intention. Yum. <laughs> Yum. Yum. Hey, uh, unlimited steak fries sounds good to me. Well, I mean that's fair. That'd be great. Uh, but I would like to, <laughs> I would like to, to go to group discussions for these characters. Mm. So, who wants to start the conversation a little bit about brother and sister and our and our thoughts on these performances? I guess I can start. Um, okay. Because Laura Stahl's performance as sister had to kind of grow on me. When I first listened yeah. to it, it it it's really outside of what her she's known for. She's known for mainly playing these little boy kind of characters, like Ira McCoon. Um, and so hearing her play as this little girl uh, was not exactly what I'm used to listening to her. Um, I do think it needs a little bit more work, but I've grown on it more than, uh, than 
than I originally felt about. So, um, as far okay. as far as Daisy Guevara is concerned, uh, she has this natural husk to her voice that even when she plays female characters, uh, they sound a bit deeper. Mm-hmm. And so I think she's actually really, really well set to play the little little boy type of characters. And of the two, I think her performance is the stronger in this particular in this particular dub. Um, they, she, they they just they play off each other fairly well because they're they're both siblings and they have to take care of each other. And uh, they definitely have that sort of sibling chemistry uh, that that um, that they work with. Uh, Overall, they're they're okay. That's what I have to say. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll go next. Yeah. Okay. Like group discussions. Let's throw everything out there. What do we got? Uh, I actually really like Laura Stahl as the little sister. I will say one thing: it is infinitely hilarious to see small children swear. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big sister is not a shit. Big sister is Big not, sister a, is shit, not a shit. Shithead. I think it's a shithead specifically, but it's, yeah, I, it's like that, that one comic of like, it's Carrie going shit. And then like the next time in like, you just see little sister there. And then the next scene, she says shit in front of a swindler and swindler picks up her, picks her up by the ears going, (gasps) and then gas, that's just swindler beating the shit out of career for it. Um, (laughs) no, I actually really like Laura Stahl as uh, this little girl character, because I think that. Laura Stahl has done so many younger boy characters that mm-hmm. we're all so accustomed to hearing it, whether it be Irma or Ray or the actual Chad King of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable, whose name I forgot. Uh, I can't help you, I haven't watched I'm Diamond Google- is Unbreakable. I'm Googling it because DIU is my favorite character, is my favorite JoJo's arc. Uh... <laughs> What the fuck was your name? What the fuck was your name? <laughs> what are those? Oh. What's in the box? I don't know. Oh no. Oh no. You can do it. I believe in you. Oh my god. What the fuck was his name? While, you, while you're doing that, I'm going to throw in there for <laughs> Laura. Like, it's very cute and adorable. And because I've seen, like, clips on... Like, some of her little videos on Twitter, as well as um, on TikTok on occasion. It's actually, when she's kind of quiet, it's not that far off from her natural voice. It's a bit more hushed, sister is. It's not that far off from her natural sounding voice. It's actually really nice. It's very, I, I like it. It's different. Because, again, we like you said, we're used to her being little boy characters. So it was Hayato. It's fucking Hayato. Okay. How dare I forget a king's name? A <laughs> king's name? No, but like, we're all really accustomed to Laura playing boy characters. I actually really liked mm-hmm. it because it was so awkward sounding. Like, let's be real. Little sister was raised in a washing machine. <laughs> built off of her, fr- her clone's blood. Like, yeah. they literally were testing them like hot dogs. Oh. They were like they like, were testing is... them like Pepsi tests the idea of making IHOP maple syrup Pepsi. <laughs> oh my god. Which some of you freakazoids would drink. Um, I I'll oh drink god. it. I've yet to try the nitro blue wood, but I have tried the Coca-Cola Starlight. Yeah, cuz it's like said you when you think about the when you think about the context with brother and sister, 
sister, she's the quote-unquote younger of the two, but she's also still relatively new to being a human. Yeah. So, like, she literally, so hence like, kind of the awkwardness to her, too. Your little, little sister is basically like, what would happen if you you asked the goldfish to bring a prairie dog and she's got to learn how to do it. And what? I don't know. My fucking brain just was like, put two animals in a sentence. Um, but, it worked for uh, the Avatar people. Turtle <laughs> <laughs> dogs, man. That's the cutest shit on earth. Um, oh, shit. Uh, okay, where was I? Um, so Daisy. Daisy kills it as little brother. I think Daisy yeah. is probably one of the other really good underrated supporting performances of this show. I think she absolutely nails the little brother's struggle and keeping that boyish tone while also being, you know, the walking fucking spoiler machine slash plot device. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know really. It's I think that they Daisy really gets in combo with Laura the pathos that you want out of uh these characters like by the end of it you just want to see them have nice things no oh, yeah 100 percent. like after and all Daisy's the shit the they go through that. yeah after all the shit they go through it's like i want to protect these two with my life yeah because they are precious yeah. and like both performances are really i think are really good for completely different reasons laura's sister is like it has that awkwardness, but that's because Sister for all intents and purposes is the is the equivalent of a newborn baby or a toddler. So she's yeah, still trying basically. to yeah. So she's still trying to learn the way of the world, figure things out, understand things because she's like she learns from Swindler what a, what thank you is and I like what takoyaki is and like it's it's very cute. Meanwhile, you have brother who has been around a while longer than sister has, and has seen some shit. Because he is—he's the one who's stuck seeing his siblings disappear to be part of the massive washing machine to create sister. So, and and he's also the one who's tested on, and it's just God that flashback episode. Fuck. Oh, he just man. walks out of that shit like, nah, no big deal. Oh, like it's like it's fine. They took their, there's like they took their time again today. Yeah, it's, it's all right. I'm good. <laughs> and it's like, oh man. And then no, yeah. I think brother has the biggest like, in terms of character arc, has the biggest struggle because he's already gone through a lot and he's has to. He's the one between the two that comprehends it, has to comprehend it the most and carry that weight, because sister has no idea. Mm-hmm. And Daisy does, I think, a phenomenal job. Also, kudos to Black Cat Daisy. Because <laughs> Black Cat Daisy is adorable. Mm-hmm. It's it a putty tag. Robotic... Yeah, it has a little robotic filter on it, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. It works really nicely. I love mm-hmm. it so much. Right. Any more thoughts? Throw them to the atmosphere. Or throw them on the train. I don't know. We're, 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 we're on a roll today. Well, you were spot off my thoughts about Lois, though. Although, I familiar familiarity with her. I haven't finished The Promised Neverland. I've mm. seen clips of Red to Girlfriend and I've maybe only seen a few episodes of Dropout Idol Food Top, but other than, oh yeah, Air McCool too, but uh, mm-hmm. hearing her 
play little girl is very refreshing. It's very neat. Like you said, she has to go into that awkwardness a bit, which is why yeah. it took time for Hardy. Uh, Daisy? Yeah, that Huskerverse was very impressive. It kind of gave me Molder Marshall vibes that I think about Oh, it. gotcha. I, I, I can I hear, hear it now, it. yeah. When, I can hear that, yeah. Which now that I think about it, I'm hoping for a certain stuff to happen, but I want to jinx it. Sure. <laughs> Did you want digital? Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Knocking on wood for you, I'm sorry. <laughs> If I jinxed it, I take full responsibility. Damn right, you will. If, I, if we find out that I Okay, Jamal, here's your deal. If we find out I jinxed it by the time this comes up, you can host Aramichi. You have my word. I will, I will officially say that I have borne witness to this, so... That means you, you guys can officially cannot. If I jinxed it and you guys can't officially. You now know that you can't officially uh, do Urumichi until the rest of that cast is announced. Well, I mean that's if we do record Urumichi before the cast is announced. Plus, I all, plus all I gotta do is ask the director. So also true, but at the at the same time, because our original plan is to fucking Jackbox fight pit each other. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if if the cast ha but but if we if the cast the rest of the cast comes out before we do Urmichi and I jinxed it, you can have it <laughs> as my penance for my transgressions. Well, all right, so. all right. Anyways, Jamal, please continue. <laughs> yes, sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty much good. It's just I haven't heard a character type like this in years as my comparison to Border mm -hmm. Marshall. So, mm -hmm. yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah, I didn't right. I didn't realize it until you just brought it up, but now I can hear it. No, yeah, I can hear it too. Mm -hmm. it makes me very happy. Are there any more thoughts we want to throw into the atmosphere? Or um, in the quarantine zone, I guess it's called? I think we're good. I think sister? I'm okay. good. Mm -hmm. All right. You know what? I had these next three. These ne I had these in three different groups. How mad would y'all be if I at least combined two of these groups? Yeah, that's cool with me. Yeah. Depends on which two. Oh, Swinder and Courier would be last still, regardless. It's the rest of them. Mm. I was I was hoping you call one section bro bats at the stone, but uh yes! Do what you gotta, you know. I'll, I'll you lead, I'll follow. It's God love, that's all it is. It's God <laughs> love, he's mine, I'm his. Yes. I will say though, one of the next characters has my least favorite trope of all time. Yeah. Okay, oh, I have one favor though. What's up? Let's face the facts about me and you are love unspecified. So I'm proud to call you Chocolate Bear. The crowd will always talk and stare. I feed exactly oh those feelings, God. too. And Megan. that's why I keep them inside. Because this bear can't bear the world to I sing. swear to God, and if sometimes we get copyright, to hide, we to monetize for that explain If we get copyrighted, just censor most of that in the background. <laughs> That's all. That's a huge beat. Fuck you! I'm singing my heart out to Hey, I did it for Andrew in the Cajun episode, so why not? <laughs> all right, all right. So at this stage, he's the only other man. 
Hotlin is the only other man who's been inside a brawler. He just took his appendix out. I fucking quit. <laughs> okay. So at this stage in the game, all we have left are all of the Akudama in this show. And originally they were going to be in three different groups, um, but uh, fuck it. We're going to at least combine two of those groups. So we have, outside of Swindler and Courier, who we'll talk about last, mm-hmm. we have Doctor, Cutthroat, Hacker, and of course, they were going to be together anyway because I can't fucking separate them. Let's be real. We have Brawler and Hoodlum as well. So, quick rundown on these characters. Doctor is a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. No, absolutely. Doctor is a um, doctor is a surgeon who will fix people up and all this shit. But she also plays. She has an obsession with playing with people's lives, and also with the idea of immortality and controlling death. Uh, Cutthroat is a psychopathic serial killer who has a tendency for knives and also red shiny things. More on that later. Hacker is a genius hacker who likes to hack into things for fun and thinks of it as a game. Hacker is the serious Chiaki Nanami. Yes. Not, not Chiaki Nanami. Not Chiaki Nanami. No, not Chiaki. Um, uh, uh, Fujisaki? Yes. Fujisaki, yeah. They have the haircut. They are the designated yeah. Fujisaki of this series, which means they are going to be killed off too early. Well, well not really. Uh, in Hacker's okay, case, to be fair, he of... disappears for like five episodes. Right. Kinda, yes. He is the cheesy cheat. Listen, just listen. He even comes back in digital form. You're. That's where I'm saying, like, technically. <laughs> anyway, that's anyway. where you say no, no. She's got a point. <laughs> then we have Brawler, who's all brawn, no brains, and likes to punch and kick things. And then we have Hoodlum. So, <laughs> aside from Swindler accidentally getting involved with all of this shit, Hoodlum is another accident. He was originally imprisoned at the police station for uh, minor crimes. He's uh, He has a four-year sentence on him, and he breaks out, and then he just wants money, so he goes along with the scheme. And then... Oh, becomes... no, he kind of ends up there by accident, and then he gets dragged into it and says, ah, He ends money. up... Well, he, he, he ends well, up there by accident, but of his own free will, because he's like, money? And he yeah. goes for everything. So he kind of... A little bit of column A, a little column B, but he ends up being best friends with Brawler. <laughs> um, so and then getting little... and then getting a pity fuck from Doctor. Again, Doctor's a bitch. We'll get into more of that later. Uh, so playing these characters, let's start with the bros. Uh, playing Hoodlum, we have Kellen Goff, who has voiced characters such as Rekka Hoshimi in Fire Force, Diavolo in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Wind, and the Senpai in the in Night is Short Walk On Girl. Brawler is voiced by Zeno Robinson, who has played Tomoki Takizawa in Gymnastic Samurai, Taiga Kagami in Kuroko's Basketball, and Hawks in My Hero Academia. Hacker, we have Wai Chang, who has voiced characters such as Shun Iura, I- I- wow, in Horimira, I can't fucking pronounce things. Cliff Fashirose. Fashirose, thank you, in Kuma 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 Bear. And Akimitsu Mochizuki in Skate Leading Stars. Why did I pick the ones I can't Why pronounce? did... Why are you reminding me? 
You know what? Just okay, Goro Tanaguchi show that I purged from my memory. Sure. Uh, All right. As cutthroat, we have our. Oh, okay. Wow, hold on. <laughs> I'm br- I'm blanking. As cutthroat, we have our assistant ADR director and one of our writers, uh, Matt Shipman, who has voiced my mouse is losing control. But <laughs> who has Matt Shipman, who has voiced Flosh Froster in Attack on Titan, Chrome and Doctor Stone, and Kazuya Kujo in Gosek. And as Doctor, we have our ADR director and one of our other script writers, Brittany Lada, who has voiced characters such as Ichigo in Darling in the Franks, Satoko Hojo in Higarashi Go and Higarashi Sotsu, and Riko in Made in Abyss. Where are we starting? Because this is a huge cluster. When you were naming that, that, that characters, I was like, one of these things is not yeah. like the other. One that's, of these things just doesn't belong. Can we start with the bows before we start with the hoes? <laughs> I was gonna say though, can I at least say my one joke about about Doctor and and uh, and Hoodlum? Yes, please. It's what I posted in the chat, and it's like a bad hentai fan sub, and it's like I want you, Doctor, and he grabs her hand and says, "This isn't covered by your insurance." <laughs> anyway, all right, at Jamal's request. Let's cover the bros before the hoes. So, Brawler and Hoodlum, <laughs> these two. Brawler, Brawler and Hoodlum have a better romantic chemistry than most isekai anime have in 12 episodes. <laughs> and I don't care what someone Discord says. Hoodlum is sounded hot, okay? Woo! Okay! Because oh I, I, I was like, somebody was like, oh, this is basically old old to hot anime. And somebody was like, uh, I don't think Hoodlum sounds hot. I was like, hey man, everybody sounds hot the old way. It's true. Listen, Hoodlum, Hoodlum, even if it was a pity fuck, Hoodlum had sex. I mean, he broke the bow code. Hoodlum had more sex than most weebs will have in their entire life. Canonically, Hoodlum is the only one who fucks. Yeah. Well, the doctor did. I mean, he broke the bow code after sleep of that hoe, but still. (laughs) Listen, does the bro code, does the bro code question, legitimate question for you and Hardy? Mm -hmm. Oh, No. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> if, I didn't even ask my question. I know exactly what it is, and absolutely not. I was gonna say, if you're six feet under, does the law still is the law still imply? Look, God. if anyone gives out a gosh dang Final Fantasy villain speech, you do not want to be sticking your dick in it. <laughs> but what if she sticks her dick in you? That's okay. even worse. That's... <laughs> I mean pegging. I'm not being transphobic. I'm legitimately meaning pegging. No. Oh my god. Okay. Tra- yeah. Oh, there are some women with penises, so yeah. Oh, sweet. And when you stroke sweet. it up and down, it's called masturbation. <laughs> I'm so sorry to everybody who's watching this part of the episode. Thank you for discussing... making that joke, Kelly Goff. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, I can't believe that we are here discussing the ethics of do you fuck? Do you fuck another? Uh, fuck a woman after your man has been fucked by society? Look, this is a show where all ethics go out the window. Let's be honest. It's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. Swindler. Uh, yeah, no, Swindler lost some of her ethics too. We'll, we'll get to uh, that. Um, yeah, we'll get to her in a bit. Okay. Co- all right, back to Hoodlum and Brawler. Okay. Well, uh, first <laughs> off, Zeno and Callan, where are we going? Well, first things first. Bullshit, that Zeno, but. Yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah, I, I was yeah, surprised no. too because I remember what was it that interview y'all did? 
He said, yes. So when um when Andrew and Jet did the interview with Zeno and MAYC, um, they asked about Akadama actually, and Zeno <laughs> mentioned. That the first episode, how he sounded there was, um, weirdly enough, a happy accident because the night before he was at a bonfire, <laughs> so he, had, so of course there was like smoke and all that fun stuff, and <laughs> it was still kind of in, doesn't matter, know, still counts, still. It, it <laughs> and, sucks, the, and that so. first episode was just like that's how come it was just like that fucking deep and like really gruff, and then he was like, and then it was all about just like keeping that up and replicating it for the rest of the show. Yeah. To which, boy howdy, that was good. I didn't, I did not expect. Oh man, I yeah, I wanted to hear more of that, which unfortunately leads to my least favorite trope (sighs) ever, where he kind of bites in the fifth episode. Yep, black dude dies first. Technically second. Oh no, he died before the uh, the uh, executioner. The only thing is, the executioner technically. No, via technicality, Hacker was dead first, but I get where you're coming from. Yeah, via technicality, Hacker is dead first, but yeah, no, you're right. But still. <laughs> Poor Brawler, all he wants is to fight and have but a no. good time doing it. Sorry, Jamal, I didn't mean to be like that. No, no, you're good, you're good. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so Zeno. <laughs> so yeah, super happy fun times with Zeno. Zeno's very good. I, I I just love like how he took some of the, f- the further moments just ran with it. Oh, it was great. I loved it. Especially his moments with Kelly, which is why I said Bromance in the Storm, because I've seen these two multiple times on the Jackbox among the stream, just have a bit of fun with each other. To which uh, we forgot to mention, probably one of those greatest roles of all time, Boy One A from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Wind. But, uh... That's neither here nor there. That one's for you, Brittany Lauder, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the bromance is real, though. Yeah, and it got even more real after Brawler Bay because, oh, man. Kellen is, Hotham is destroyed after Brawler bites it. He's just like, because Hoodlum knows he's a pathological liar, first of all. Yeah. But... He's hyping himself up, and Brawler is going for the for his lies. Everybody else fucking knows Hoodlum is lying through his teeth, but Brawler doesn't give a shit. He's like, yeah, my man. Brawler is, Brawler is the king of supportive dudes in the world. Everybody yes. needs a king like Brawler in their lives. Yes. Oh, man. And then after Brawler dies... Fucking, oh, it's like a really big switch for Kellen to go just like full depressed, like grief mode. It's like just so mellow and sad. It's just like, what would you think, bro, if you were here? How would you feel about it? It's like, oh, poor baby. (laughs) Poor baby. Now I'm just. (laughs) You mentioned JoJo's, and now I have to bring up my favorite video of all time. Oh, no. You're talking about how he's like, bro, what should I do? Have you ever seen the video where it's the clip of after Josuke's beaten Okiyasu and Okiyasu becomes his friend and he comes over to his house. He's like, hi, I'm Joe. I'm uh, Josuke's friend. And she's like, oh, cool. Come in for breakfast. And as she's turning away, he like leans over and goes, dude, your mom is hot. And from the background, 
the song He Lives in You from The Lion King 2 comes up as, like, Kakyoin fades into the sky. Oh I'm just God. imagining, I'm just imagining Brawler like Mufasa in the sky for Hoodlum. Oh my god. Oh. And I will be uh, working in Pixlr, uh, so I will uh, talk to you all in like 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> so while you're working on that, uh, Hardy, what, do you, what are you thinking about Brawler and Hoodlum over here? Oh, I mean, they... they you kind of did give them some W awards. I did, so. yes. Uh, Golden Ham. Mm-hmm. So yeah, every every they basically stole every scene that they're share. Uh, unfortunately, Brawler doesn't last. He only lasts halfway through the show, but um, every time that they're together, they just absolutely steal every scene. And Oh, um, yeah. Zeno yeah, uh, is fun on his own, but Kellen really, 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 really takes it up a notch, making some rather inhuman sounds, I have to describe. Some chicken noises. Yeah. <laughs> That uh, that one scene where the the uh, the zeppelin is about to crash into the hotel, yep. and it switches back between Swindler and Hoodlum going, <laughs> just screaming at the yep. top of their lugs. Yeah, it's it's so great. great. It's one oh, of the man, best. I love the Hindenburg. Oh, <laughs> Ouch. no, I love. Um, if y'all remember the when the dub was first airing, there was um. A clip. I don't remember who put it out. If it was Brittany or if it was maybe Kellen or whoever mm-hmm. plays Swindler. Um, where it's the first bit where um, they get the collars and then they're like, "We could just take these off." And then one of the police officers' heads come flying off or some shit. And then in the background, you just have fucking Swindler and them just going. Ah! And then, it's just like I think it's like a chicken pops up there. And oh. No, oh, that was, that was Kellen. That was Kellen. He was the cool lady. Kellen. Yeah. Like chicken noises, and I think there was another part where we first meet Hoodlum, where he makes his, those those noises too. It's like, ah, well, come, come on down. <laughs> I remember that early on. I'm just like, that's just great. <laughs> no, they they're, they're the biggest bros to ever bro, and we love them dearly. I mean, I want to talk about because I I mean I I joked about fucking off for like 20 minutes right um you know i think i really want to compliment how well they work off each other absolutely and that's the thing is like you like i personally think that given the circumstances that these two performances could have gone very very wrong um yeah like there is no in between for um for these guys, like, it was either you you sink or you swim. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Because, in a lot of ways, I feel like under under the wrong direction, I feel like both of these characters could have been given very stereotypical voices. Yeah. But Kellen and, Z- and Zeno bring such a really really great energy and i think this also both cements them as two of the better vocal chameleons in the industry right now because kellen doesn't up until this that point he had never really gotten to play more higher maybe higher pitch stuff he was always very big dark monstrous characters yep and creature voices Mm -hmm. and 
it, this was kind of like one of the first like real human ones. And I think for Zeno, the big thing was that he was very much doing more of your young pretty boys or young boy characters. Yeah. I say pretty boy because Hawks isn't young, but he's pretty. Oh, everybody um, and everybody and their mother thinks Hawks is pretty. Let's be real here. I'm one of them. <laughs> that man was well, in a McDonald's she... commercial. And somebody made that commercial with Hawks in it. Oh my god, that's amazing. I was gonna say you think that's amazing. I found out that man is about luck that I thought. You know he was in Ben 10 Alien Force? Yes. Oh, I didn't actually. I did. Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> but no, I think the the other really big thing for for this the two of them in particular is that if you didn't this dub was also again primarily done from people's houses. Yep. Um if the chemistry wasn't there between them and I guess a general thing of a lot of the cast, I don't think that the relationship would have translated as well from Japanese to English. Oh, absolutely. Because oh. this is a big ensemble piece more than anything. Yeah, and those two in particular have such an intertwined relationship. Mm-hmm. I think, like, if anything, the way that they play together is generally as important as the executioner and the pupil and the brother and sister. And as much as Swindler and Courier is. It's really weird because... I don't think a lot of other characters have that kind of anchor point to them mm-hmm. that goes both ways. There's a lot of characters who have anchor points that go one way and not the other, and that's done on purpose. But these two guys, like, if Kellen and Zeno weren't so good at these two characters and just acting in general, I don't think this would have worked. I don't really... This is one of those cases where I can't really see another actor playing this in English. Oh, no, Absolutely. 100%, I can agree with that. I think especially true for Kellen, considering w- what was already brought up. Kellen was mostly known for the bad guy, vil- the villains, or the monsters. Like, th- this and... K- Kellen had a fantastic fucking year. Um, this Night is Short. And Night is Short, yeah. Night is Short are the two ones where he's actually, like, breaking away from that. And... Fuck, I need to start Sasuke Miyano still. But point still stands. <laughs> like, it, it, he's breaking away from that, and that's just so great, and I love that. And then Zeno. Yes, let Zeno play more than just the pretty boys. <laughs> let Zeno have fun with some gruff manly men, because this is great. <laughs> I love it. Um, any more thoughts to give for Brawler and Hoodlum? I think we were able to move atmosphere. on. Okay. So, do we want, do we want our friend Fujisaki, do we want the bitch, or do we want... The psycho. Psychopath. Uh, I think I want to talk about the doctor, since we've already talked about the the code, and now we got to see the breaker. Yeah, because she kind of has a little bit of a dynamic intertwined with Hoodlum, too. So, okay, Brittany Lott is a doctor. So, <laughs> first and foremost, I did not know Brittany could go that deep and sultry. Boy, am I shocked. Um, because, I, I mean, the, the three roles I listed for her, Darling in the Franks, Higurashi, and Maiden Abyss, like, 
that's, that's a vast difference compared to what she did here with Doctor. Holy guacamole. Um, but, God, is it fun. She plays up the bitch angle so lo- nicely. Yep. <laughs> She doesn't give a shit. It's it's like she's trying to do her best Fujiko Mine impersonation. Except for Fujiko, this is Fujiko Mine commits medical malpractice. Oh, (laughs) man. Yeah. But I was like, doctor should have been arrested like ages ago, but she somehow, one, escapes capture, and two, fucking cheats the system. Yeah. Yeah. Being a being a traitor she's the reason why shit starts getting bad because she double crossed the akudama and decided to work with the executioners uh just so she gets taken off of the akudama list and then she proceeds to go around killing people just for fun and gets away with it so yeah just just like a doctor would Yeah, part of that gave me like some assault on thirteenth precinct Italian job kind of vibes because when you because when you find out the twist that she just betrays Akadama, just got this mess. I was like, man, fuck you. Yeah. But and Hoodlum does. <laughs> da, 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 da. Again, canonically, he's one of the only ones that fuck in this show. Okay, so he Who may have t- on Hoodlum. <laughs> He, so he may have tossed the sad, but she mixed this nut to the end. So, uh, oh, shit. oh man! But like, I, I know it's. I imagine like the when the first time you watch it, and then the twist for Doctor comes up, it's like you motherfucker. But it, like, in the rewatches that I've had of the show, like the subtleties are there, where it's like, oh, hmm. And it also doesn't help that she hates Swindler. Oh, yeah. Fucking hates her. She's like, oh, you're so goody, goody two shoes. And you're like. Calls her such a feminist. Oh, yeah, that's the key word right there. Feminist. God, shut up, doctor. But Brittany Lauda is so good in this show. Oh, yeah. Like, 100%. (laughs) And. It's interesting because she has Doctor has this more observational kind of role to her, I guess, because she kind of likes to sit herself in the background more. She doesn't put herself much fo- like too far forward compared to like Hoodlum, Brawler, Hacker to some extent, Courier sometimes. Um, Cutthroat, I, Cutthroat, I think, is the other one that kind of stands in the back most of the time. But Doctor... Jesus Christ. Considering Doctor's personality and how she acts in the show, it makes so much sense just for her to be this observing presence because her big thing is... And she stated this after fucking Hoodlum. Let's be real. Fucking hoodlum. Lack mm-hmm. of better words, but hey, whatever. Yeah. Where she wants to have the ability to control life and death. Yeah, basically. Yes. Like and there's no better way to control a man's life than by caging his balls. Um. <laughs> but, so her being able to be more an observing presence so she can keep control of the situation and turn in her favor makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, I think that's a testament to Brittany Lodge's acting because I've heard her do a deeper voice before, but that was under a different situation. Uh, yeah. Do y'all remember when Animaniacs came back on TV and everybody was making the meme out of the theme song? I don't know about the meme. I know the Animaniacs came back. So people were taking part of the theme, you know, where Yakko Wacko Daco, the Animaniacs, totally insane. I just took a clip of the intro to the Doctor and just <laughs> put oh. it together and I was like, yeah, it sums up that bitch. <laughs> I I, I sent you the clip later, so. It was pretty Please. funny, yeah. Oh, I know what memes you're talking about. Yeah, but I think the best way to describe this is four little words. I need a cigarette. I'm just... She is hot. She's hot, but she don't... Hot. She's hot, but crazy. She's yeah, don't stick your dick in crazy. I don't care what her <laughs> yeah. little dick. Her don't stick her your dick in so. crazy. Don't grind... Don't grind your clam on crazy... Hoodlum made an error in judgment on that one, but hey, he was also a depressed human being at that point, so. Yeah. Sex is not that depressing, for the love of God. No, Hoodlum doesn't know any better. That's what vibrators or, or are for. Or... Um, but I will give Hoodlum kudos. I'm gonna pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> I will give Hoodlum some props. He got rid of that bitch. Mm-hmm. Advice for yeah, Hudlum did the right thing in the end. Revenge. Because we find out, oh, oh, we find out. So Brawler ends up dying presumably um because of the ex- because of the executioner master, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They take each other out. We find out from Doctor, because he was actually injured earlier. She's like, nah. When I stitched up his wounds, I didn't really do that good of a job. So he basically died from blood loss. And the second Hoodlum hears that, he's like, motherfucker. <laughs> and yeah, he, uh, She would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for the Scooby Doo villain speech. Scooby Doo villain speech. Which Brittany delivered so well greatly. Freaking worshippers of a train. No, no. Of, for the um, fucking stampede of Wildebeest. The Wildebeest stampede. Lion King. Ah, so when yeah. That's not the song that plays there. I know it's not, but hey, it's the first one that came to mind. It's like Anyway, anyway. Any more thoughts on Britney as the doctor? Uh I didn't really get to say a lot of my thoughts on Britney's actual performance. I feel like we were mostly talking about the character. Also true. I think the thing that Brittany really nails about this is that Brittany, I do think, can go sultry. Mm-hmm. It's just that we're very much accustomed to hearing her as these kind of more moe cute girls. Yeah. Um. So getting her, like, I'm very sure that if I look through Brittany Lauda's resume as an actor, as a performer, I could find older female characters in it. But it does feel very, and I like it too, because I feel like there is... At least in the Texas pool, a a very stable rotation of women who we associate with doing sultry female characters. And Brittany getting to show off in Akadama Drive as probably the most intelligent person Mm -hmm. in terms of brain power and stuff, but just lets her own pride get in the way of her, which causes her eventual trample to death. Um, 
really comes through in her character, and you can really hear the disdain that she has for the, like being stuck with the people that she is. Like it is very hard to fake disdain for children. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Oh, lordy. Not saying Brittany does, Lauda does not like children, but the way that she is able to to get disdain across in a lot of her performance while being at a both a lower register, but a like Hardy said, a very Fujiko Mine esque type performance. But I think it even kind of goes beyond Fujiko Mine to me because. Fujiko Mine is a thief, but she's not a... And, and you can argue that she's a bad person, but she is not a malicious person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of this reminds me of... Uh, and I know this is, like, one of those things where, like, everybody who knows me knows that I'm actually, like, fairly obsessed with this show. Which is... It reminds me a lot of... Karen Strassman as Delphine in Last <gasps> Exile. Yes! It's more of a that character vibe. Oh my god, you're right. I haven't watched Last Exile in years, but you're right. First of all, one, if you've never watched Last Exile, it's an amazing show and the dub is fucking phenomenal. Please go watch um, Last Exile. It's very, it's criminally underrated. It is criminally underrated. Slash B has a lot of criminally underrated performances from oh, a lot yeah. of well-established voice actors. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Delphine. But no, but it, it's very much more of a Delphine type character where they get to be an awful person and drag around being an awful person in their performance, but everybody else is helpless around them yeah. to stop them from being the evil person. And it carries that level of performance in her performance. And it is very fitting that she also goes out in a very maestro Delphine way, where at the very end she is shot and goes down with her uh, victim. Yeah. Yep. Because basically her, in this context, Dr. Anne Hoodlum basically die together. Yeah. So. More thoughts on the performance. Hardy, what about you? Oh, I already said what I, what I said, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. A lot of thoughts are being thrown around. <laughs> are there any others? Uh, no, I'm good for her, so I'm going to move on to... I think I'm going to go... I think I'd rather Can't... talk about the hacker next. I was about to say, do we yeah. want to go into hacker next? Yeah, I feel let's like, go to hacker. I feel like considering Cutthroat, why don't we leave him last? For yeah, because yeah. as much as I really like um, Youngie's performance as hacker, mm-hmm. the show kind of like gets rid of him for a while. The show did him dirty, and I yeah. hate that. I will also not lie that uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the Kansai resolution stuff. Oh my god, that Kansai shit I, was I, bull. I just didn't like it in terms of what a lot was being said in the show politically. And I kind of, as much as Young E puts a ton into that performance, like, he gives, I think, probably one of the best performances of his career in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of hard to take seriously him being taken out like a Digimon. Thor, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Jamal. Like, like, between that and then, like, the souls of the other kids, like, coming to save them. When I rewatched it, it, I'm just like, oh my god, what I just is didn't happening? really get that stuff. I felt like it was very much a... 
I, like, I don't really like the whole reveal of Kansai just being two supercomputers, really. Yeah. I, I didn't really see how that fit into, like, the class warfare aspect and the authoritarian aspect of this. Like, I was actually hoping that there was nothing in Kansai. Mm-hmm. That Kansai was nothing. There was nothing there. It was all a lie. And that they would just find Hacker heartbroken there or as dark as the sound he just killed himself from the depression like there never was a Kansai right like it was all a thing and like the executioners would be there waiting because the pupils or something were like a new breed of executioner that would never die like so that their authoritarianism would always be eternal and they would be like a legion That'd be cool if the show was more than 12 episodes. I mean, yes, but I I mean, for where the show goes, I did it. And like I said, I think Yugi gives a really good performance. He gives very much outside of Swindler and the actual two children. I like that he definitely sounds the youngest. Yes. Out of everybody. Yeah, that's because he he is the youngest, actually. I mean, yes, he's the Is he even younger than Swindler? He's 16. Yeah. Yeah, but he the thing that he has, though, is that he is very much more... He might be the youngest person there, but he's definitely got, like, the older soul, I guess. Yeah. He's got yeah. the highest 100%. acumen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% he does. Yeah, because I remember the Christy Orsi stream, they talked about this. They talked about, like, how Hacker... He's basically, like, doing this for, like, I guess recreation, as you were, like... Like, like you would say, doing it for the lulls, just like every teenager on yeah. Twitch. He, treat, but, he treats but, every he treats every break in. He tries to do every hacking he does as a game, and he wants yeah. the most exciting game that he uh, of his life. That's always his goal. That's why he does what he does. So it's kind of like the opposite of what you said about Fujiko Mide in the last section. He like he's kind of a malicious person, but he's not really a bad person. So he just likes yeah. the challenge. Yeah, All, he's not malicious. He's just trying to have fun. Yep. And it's also, also kind of weird that this is Yugi, because I'm going to say this, and I know which headshot you're going to put up, Steph. Because the one oh you God. use, because the one you use, he looks like what I stereotypically would define as a hacker. Like, he sounds weeded out, he has a BDR, like, just going by his life. <laughs> and then you look at this hacker in the show, I'm like, wait, what? The hacker in the show looks like he lives off of fucking monster energy. <laughs> yeah, basically. But seriously, wait, if you ever heard how Yugi sounds in the streams, it's like, you couldn't believe that this is exactly the two, the same person, you know? But yeah. Yugi's very good at, uh, at handling Hacker's true nature, basically. Especially when he gets really excited towards the yes. end. Yes. I was exactly about to go into that, actually. Oh, good oh, God. No. <laughs> delete. Motherfucker, what did now you do? Now you delete that part. <laughs> Put it in the episode, damn it! <laughs> For reference, the statements about. Give me 20 earlier, minutes, I'll be done. <laughs> give me 20 minutes, I'll be done. This is the end result of that bit. Oh, Lord. Anyway, back to Hacker. <laughs> Alright. More on Youngie. 
Let's talk more about Youngie. Yes, so... Oh, plus, please tell me I'm saying his name right. I am so sorry if yeah, I'm not. Yeah, it's Youngie. I, yeah. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I've watched enough streams to hear him pronounce his name. But anyway, whenever... I am absolutely to... ass at pronouncing everybody's name. <laughs> oh, you and me both. Whenever, whenever Hacker gets so excited, though... <laughs> yeah, man, it's like... Like... The first time we really see him get excited is on the uh, Shinkansen. Because he's being asked to get through those doors to try and get to that first car so they can get to whatever it is that the black cat is looking for. In this case, being brother and sister. And, like, you hear the argument arguing of fucking swindler hoodlum with a little side snark of cutthroat and a little bit of black cat. And he's just trying to, like, do these calculations and figure all this shit out. And then he just starts, la like, giggling a little bit. And he goes full, full, full-blown laughter. And he's like, this is such a fun challenge. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was beautiful. I love it. And then, while, while the Kansai stuff is bullshit, we do at least get to see Hacker have fun once again <laughs> during the whole digital, Digimon digital monsters <laughs> I love the ending of Digimon Adventure 2. <laughs> Where he's also having fun with the challenge. It's just... It's just... It's a fun, and I think it's an understated character. And it's a shame that the show does him dirty. I think he's the one... I think Hacker's the one that's done dirty the most. Yeah. Because he disappears after, like, a few episodes. And then he comes back only as, like, a digital version. Just to fucking have a swan song moment. To which... Youngie did fantastic with that swan song moment. I'm not gonna. I'm not dissing that. That was fantastic. It's just I. I don't like how the character got written like that. <laughs> Cause hacker's fun. Yeah, like, what else we got? At least he got to go out in. They they didn't take him out like uh, like a Digimon. He got to play in a game of R type. Yeah. Yeah. I was okay. gonna say at least he didn't go out being killed. He just went out. My way, motherfucker. I was gonna say like some of the Akadai, but he died doing what he loved best. Hacking. Yeah, basically. Getting, getting hacked. Yeah. Hacks horse. Yeah. Oh, okay. He, he he went out playing his favorite game of Gradius. <laughs> How many old school gamers he gonna get like that one? Like a real man taking down the blockchain. I, I was gonna say is that it. But something just went over my head. He went out like a real man taking down the blockchain. <laughs> it's like, oh, myth man. this motherfucker. <laughs> bitch, 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 bitch. Anyway. Also, yes, I sent the picture of uh, the hoodlum, the Simba Mufasa Photoshop to Andrew and I like a back. Was, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in you. He lives in me. No, technically, technically, at that moment, the music is I can actually tell you what what part of the Lion King you're in uh, the movie just by the orchestral score. Oh if you God. think I'm fucking with you, I'll do it with you in person. Mm. I mean, I have the CD from the Broadway show, and it's pretty much all the same. So we'll hop it's on not list. actually. The Broadway show score is. I said pretty much. I didn't. I didn't say hundred percent. There's added. I'm not talking about like the "Can You Feel the Love Tonight" and stuff. No, I mean like the fucking Hans Zimmer music. Oh. <laughs> anyway, mm -hmm. 
To which, by the way, uh, DC fans, your music is just a shittier version of the Lion King soundtrack. Okay. All right. Sorry. I had to get that out of my soul. So, <laughs> I had to get out of my soul. Uh, Hardy, I don't think we had much about from you for Hacker, I don't think. I think he's good considering how little screen time he really gets. Uh, yeah. I, I have to agree that the show kind of does him dirty by taking him out at episode four and not bringing him back till episode 11. Uh, mm-hmm. No, it's episode five that he leaves. I, anyways. It's, a, it's somewhere. He gets, it's right he before leaves, the halfway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he leaves like just before the halfway. Yeah. Right. And so I'd love to give him more of uh, my opinions on his performance, but it's, it's just not much of it. And so I really have can only say that he did well in the scenes that he was in. Yeah. Okay, is there any other thoughts on Hacker before we go to, um... Oh, boy. <laughs> Are there any other thoughts on uh, Youngie as Hacker? Youngie did good. Sounds similar to some people I know, but he did very good. Uh, I, let's just go... Let's just... Bite so... The, I rip think, the band-aid off. Let's ask the eternal so, question. There's a question I want to ask about this one. I think somebody pointed out once. Mm-hmm. Is Matt Shipman okay? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That was my horrible lilac red. impression. In the rose's red. <laughs> okay. Yo. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck even is Matt Shipman as Cutthroat, guys? Do you think Cutthroat's favorite movie is Turning Red? Oh, good God. I think I think this casting kind of has layers and layers to it. It's a good thing you put this section together. It's, it's just okay. So, speaking of fucking usual typecasting horseshit, Matt Shipman. <laughs> Matt Shipman does not play psychopathic serial killers. He he plays good science boy Chrome. He plays Kazuya Kusho and Ghostsick. He's fucking, um... Don't uh, you dare say the words, Floch is a good boy. I will fly up no, there and fight No, I'm not you. saying Floch is a good boy. Floch is a dick. <laughs> Floch is a goddamn dick. Floch deserved what he got, just saying. I haven't watched the new season, don't tell me anything. But Floch is, like, maybe right underneath Cutthroat <laughs> a little bit in terms of the psychopathic scale. But, like... Okay. <laughs> what even is this? <laughs> like, oh my god. I'm not, I'm not I'm not saying this as if it's a bad thing. Cause fuck I love it. <laughs> I, guess, I want more of it. Like I said, this casting kinda has layers to it, so uh, oh, like an onion. Yeah. <laughs> like an onion. Like, what's the best okay, so what's the best way to describe Cutler's character, aside from the psychopath angle? <laughs> um Hmm. I think that's oh god, I love I love that episode, The Shining. <laughs> Your favorite that is probably episode. Some, that is actually my favorite episode of the, That's actually my favorite episode of the show, and I think it's some of the best work in Matt Shipman's career. <laughs> oh my god! Bro. Funny fact about that episode in particular is that mm-hmm. when when they were recording it, Brittany actually turned the lights on his booth to red, <laughs> so it was sort of oh, method no. acting. Get him in the zone. Method acted in the good way or 
please tell me it's method acting in the good way, not in the fucking Jared Leto way. Not no, that, this that is voice acting. No. no, this is voice acting. <laughs> no. I mean, you could still method act as a voice actor, let's be real. Which is why I say that, because one of the things in Among Us, Matt's character is always red. <laughs> oh, oh, but wait, it gets even funnier. Can I tell an anecdote real quick? Sure. So there was a match one night, and uh, Matt and Cliff were the imposters, and uh, mm-hmm. Yugi. Oh, no, it was Yugi and Cliff, and, uh, <sighs> and for some fucking reason, Cliff decided to name his character Matt, and there were two Matts, and <laughs> Yugi killed in front of Cliff, thinking that it was his imposter partner, and Cliff reported him. Cliff was like, oh, I, oh, yeah, I saw Yugi kill somebody. And Yugi was like, wait, you're not Matt? I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> so that's why... That's amazing. That's why it says this, this casting kind of has layers, because Matt pretty much... I guess if Among Us was personified, Cutthroat would kind of be it, if you think about it. Oh my god, that's, that's great. Lord, okay. Now that I've calmed down a touch. I... Uh, as you could probably expect from my early reaction, I didn't expect this from Matt. Because, so Cutthroat starts out as just kind of this, like, little bit of, like, a giddy, like, crazy. It's like, oh. He's like, ooh, I want to be close to Swindler. Ooh, look at the red. And, and Swindler's like, you get the fuck away from me. Yeah. Yeah. I love He's marshmallows like, because so they look so good with blood on them. Oh my god. Swindler would okay, Cutthroat would think marshmallows are cute. I no, I will not be providing an explanation on that statement. <laughs> no, but it's like it's such a giddy, like it, it's a giddy it's a giddy child. But also with a crazy mentality. Like that's just cutthroat. And Sometimes when he's challenged or if something that he really likes or wants is threatened, he does go to bat for it and has, like, the most subtle, subtle, like, wide-eyed, head-tilt moments where it's like, don't you touch my precious thing. And it's just like, it's just like, okay. And then we get to the episode called The Shining, episode 9, and it all fucking culminates with, it all comes together, where he's just like, your red has grown so big, can I kill you? (laughs) And then it's just like, as Megan has aptly described it in the W W Awards episode, the best awful faces in existence. I love them. Their faces are so ugly in that episode. It's fan-fucking-tastic. It's just uh, like... No, at that moment, it's like Matt goes full psychotic. And it's like... you just, like By the time you're done with the episode, it's just like you sit there, you lean back in your seat, hands crossed along your chest or, or your lap, and you're like, fuck, I can't sleep tonight. <laughs> oh, I slept damn well that night. I was like, this is awesome. Oh, no, I did, too, but it's one of those moments where it's like, shit. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. that episode was great because I actually felt like either one of them was going to actually bite it. <laughs> no, yeah, like, the stakes were really high on that episode. And, oh, man, I ugh. I just love shit like that, but, like, 
Man, Matt, are you sure you're okay? M Matt? M Matt, I hope you had a nice long nap. Matt needs a nap. <laughs> Holy shit. I don't shit. think Matt needs a nap. I just think that, I just think that, like, Matt's a really talented guy, and we know that he's laid it all on the line before. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, like, I remember the story of him. Didn't he start, like, coughing blood during, uh, what was it, um? Dr. Stone? No, it wasn't Dr. Stone. Was uh, it Franks? Darling and the Franks. Yeah. That show. That, that, that show. <laughs> um, I refuse I don't remember, to elaborate. I don't remember I don't that story. I refuse to elaborate. Any more of my feelings on that show. Um, <laughs> oh, lordy. Anyway. I think the thing that I like about his cutthroat is that, like, it is legitimately the equivalency of watching a murder chihuahua. <laughs> Wait, a murder chihuahua? Yeah, a murder chihuahua. Oh, so Cujo. Yes. Motherfucker Jamal! I hate it. I hate no, it. No, okay, no. Not a murder chihuahua. I hate it. He is too pretty to be a murder chihuahua. He's a murder Pomeranian. Y'all missed the joke that he made, didn't you? I don't read Stephen King novels. I haven't watched... I don't refuse to watch horror, so... I just know about Kudra. I thought that's what she was going with. Oh, no, I was just comparing him to, like, you know, a chihuahua because they're awful tiny garbage dogs. Oh, so you people. didn't, you didn't, so you didn't purposely made a joke at the fact that the character he voices in Gosick is named Cujo. Oh, no, no God, no. <laughs> God, I wasn't even thinking. Si Look, I haven't watched the Italian Gosick to even think about that, to be honest. Oh, uh, I, I mean, I have the character credits, I have actor credits in front of me and I see Cujo, I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> I was like... Oh, is, is he named Cujo because it's that show's a mystery series and Cujo's a mystery novel? I, maybe, I don't know. I don't know the context of the name picking for that show. <clears throat> anyway, I think that Matt, Matt did such a good job making Swindler so creepy. Not Swindler. Cutthroat so <laughs> creepy. And I think the thing that sells it is because I actually felt threatened. Yes. Like, it came across as very threatening and, like, terrifying. Like, it came off as threatening, but for me, at the same time, I'm just like, oh no. All I can think about while watching it is just like, no, my science son has gone crazy. No, my precious science son, Chrome, is crazy. So I'm like, oh no, poor child. Given the chance, I would believe that Chrome would pull out a Glock if given the chance. <laughs> That's assuming Chrome even knows what a Glock is. Oh man, you never know. just has to explain what a Glock is. It's true. He just needs to learn. Oh no, this is probably one of my favorite performances in the entire show. I won't even lie. Because it's that crazy. I don't think it's my favorite, but it's it's a lot of fun. It's a it's one of my favorites. It's up there. What do we got? What are what are some other thoughts? What, what do we got here for 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 Cutthroat Hardy Megan? I don't know what we got. Oh, I've already gone. So, mm -hmm. well, what other thoughts? Uh, I just was really impressed by his devotion to the role. Uh, Cutthroat is a very demented uh, kind of character, and mm -hmm. in order to get into that mindset, you it's. It, if you're going to get into that mindset, it it's kind of can be dangerous because we've yeah. seen 
seen unfortunate situations sort of like with Heath Ledger. He let the role get to him and didn't turn out so great. So fucking Leto. Yeah. God damn it. But um, but yeah, I think as long as it didn't take too of a much of an emotional toll on him, I think it's one of the best performances in the entire show. You just Mm -hmm. you, you, you do have to. If you're going to go into method acting like that, you really do need to to take care of yourself and your mental well-being. And I do not think that being that Cutthroat is very cartoony, but at the same time, he's also very, very dark. So, oh, yeah. yep. Yeah. You I have think to... that's a, just a compliment to Britney's directing that mm-hmm. yeah. she never let it get that bad. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, obviously, besides the fact that that is also, you know, her husband. Right. Or their husband. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think he did a really, really fantastic job. I just, I do hope that he's okay. I hope Brittany pulls him out, pulled him out of the booth, and just like, okay, go take a nap. <laughs> mean, Please evolved. go nap now. Have have some chocolate, some sweets. Go nap. Brittany knows. Go cuddle with Go cuddle with Raven. Brittany understands the mental well being of all her actors, so she she knows what to pull back. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing that I have to say that's a compliment for any director is if they know how to pull their actor out Mm -hmm. of something or just give them the heads up that there's something very triggering that they're going to work on. Yes. And like a bunch of people say like, oh, why is that a sign good directing? It's you respect the people you work with enough to know that they that they can handle it. And I think that's why I genuinely don't understand why people use like trigger or trigger warning as a way to like insult people insult people it's like it's a respect thing Mm -hmm. and like the thing is too is like if personally if i was an actor and i wasn't warned that i was doing a very brutal or something that could be mentally or emotionally taxing especially when you're dealing with an original anime Mm -hmm. like i would be really upset yeah. Like and be like, I don't want to work with this director again because I don't think they have my well being in mind. No, oh, yeah. It it comes down to a whole respect thing and just caring for your actors at the end of the day. I'm also making another terrible Photoshop, you'll see it in a Oh god. god like damn it's it. it's it's fine to push your actors to get the best out of them, but at the same time directors do need to keep their well being in mind. So, like, if all of a sudden something is happening, like, if they're uncomfortable or if they, if they, if they're going too far where it's, like, really, really hurting them, that's the good, that's the best time to just, like, okay, you need to s- sit down. <laughs> sit down. But no, 100%. Okay, before we move on to our last two, um... Are there any other thoughts about this wonderful group of characters? I'm just going to say in general, and I think I said this early on as well. um, This is a big ensemble piece, and it's just fantastic how they all work together. Exactly. Again, that's a testament to the cast, because if you ever see that you put these jackbox streams, they all have a very good... That's one thing I love about watching their streams. They have a very good dynamic, very good friendship together, and that really kind of shows this show they know how to respect each other, how to get the best mm-hmm. out of each other. Because if you didn't have that, this show would not have got, have got as well as they, it did. Also, we kind of overlooked it, but automatically, Britney's character had big step on the energy. So, uh, 
Oh yeah, we overlooked that. I'm, God damn it, Jamal! No, I'll be dead. He's not wrong though. Except I would. She does step on people and kick them too. Well, she did step on her in the blue, Lee. <laughs> oh lordy! Any other thoughts on this group of characters before we get to our last two? Hep's bad. I'm good. good. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to go forward. Okay, our last two. So, <laughs> all right. I would say that these two are essentially the main protagonists of the show. You could argue one more so than the other, but realistically, I would say they're the two main ones. And they're the other ones. They're the ones, aside from brother and sister, who outlive the rest. So, we have originally named the Ordinary Girl, who is our our main, main protagonist. Ordinary Person, specifically. Ordinary Person. Thank you. Ordinary Person. Mm-hmm. who just lives day-to-day mundane life in the city, works, works, lives, eats, that's it, re- wash, rinse, repeat. But then she, under weird circumstances, she ends up arrested, <laughs> beca- all because as, of a as five... As one does. As one does. All because of a 500 yen coin. Because some old lady was a bitch and didn't take credit. Yeah, and she... Good old Erica Schroeder. <laughs> when she was being processed, uh, the name of a of swindler came up. And she kind of suddenly gets... Eventually gets dragged into the mess that is, you know... Kicking the shit out of Kansai, taking over the Shinkans... And Good mother- God! No! <laughs> 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 Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. Oh my god. You have the correct you have the correct face for this too. Oh my god. The photoshop isn't good, but I'm having a good time. Oh my god, and the other fucking cutthroats in the back. Jesus Christ. Fuck you. (laughs) Oh no. Anyway. So So, our ordinary person gets dragged into this mess after Brawler and the other Akudama are trying to raid the police station in order to free Cutthroat from his execution. And then she gets dragged in, and she calls herself Swindler just so she doesn't get her ass killed. Uh, but eventually along the way, she ends up becoming an actual Akudama herself. And then we have Courier. Courier is the reason why Swindler's in this position. (laughs) Because that 500 yen coin that she magically came in possession with and she would not use it to pay for a takoyaki was originally his. And she has made it her mission to try and return it to him. <laughs> uh, Courier, is, as the name suggests, he he's an Akudama who tends to just deliver things for people. He takes on jobs to deliver things. Nine times out of ten, it's usually like weapons or objects or in his introduction, a bomb. <laughs> like... And no job is too tough for him. He's a smooth, he's a smooth talking, like lone wolf kind of character. So playing these two as courier, we have Jonah Scott, who has voiced characters such as Sniper Mask and High Rise Invasion, Joe in Skate the Infinity, and of course, Lego She in Beastars. And as our ordinary person slash swindler, we'll probably refer to her as swindler for the rest of this segment, uh, Macy Ann Johnson, who has voiced characters such as 
wow, who has voiced characters such as I Can Talk, Hardcore Alice in Magical Girl Raising Project, uh, Rumiko Chie in Higurashi Go and Sotsu, and Shiyuki Fujito in Smile Down the Runway. I feel like this section, we should probably maybe start with Courier and save Swindler for last. How does that sound? Yeah, Serves you're right. I can't Serves believe they let, a, they, let, they let that furry Lego she get a driver's license. Motherfucker. <laughs> okay, so Jonas Scott is Courier. Where do we want to start with this? Because like, Courier gives me very film noir vibes, if that makes sense. Well, Jonas Scott has certainly played his fair share of suave criminals. Um, sort of, as you brought up, Sniper Mask, and more recently, yeah. he's, uh, what's his name from House Husband? Was it Tetsu? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't God, watched that yet, me. Like, no offense, mm-hmm. I'm about to be very mean. I thought the dub of House Husband was fucking awful. I haven't watched it. I, I wasted 30 minutes of my life doing so. And he is, and most recently, he was Johnny Bolt in uh, Super Crooks, too. Oh, okay. oh, I saw a photo shoot for that. That was very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but no, he's sort of got this this niche for these these deep voiced suave criminal types, yeah. and um, and Courier is no exception. Courier is mostly quiet most of the time. He's very no nonsense by the book. Just wants to get his oh, job yeah. done. But um, and he also has his favorite catchphrase of calling everyone a shithead. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't think that Jonah really reinvented the wheel, so to say, with this performance. But it's just he's proving that this is a type of performance that he's good at and can do it well. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah. What else we got? I'm with Hardy. I'm I'm, I'm with Hardy in a lot of this. It's very much a, hey, this is a very Jonah's Bob performance. It's it's. I think among the Akudama, I think it stands out the least because it is just so what I'm accustomed to. Which isn't bad because I think Jonah's a phenomenal actor and he's had very few misses in his career. Mm-hmm. But if I had to talk about a performance I like from Jonah a lot more last year, it's definitely Joe from Escape the Infinity uh, for unbiased reasons. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Because you like them big fat tits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the pause. Yeah. Don't call me out like this. God. <laughs> Even then, Joe is just like the best character in that show. And, like him and Effectively his husband is. Effectively him and his husband Cherry are in a loving relationship with their son Mia. Yes. Um <laughs> What do you mean Mia has real parents? No, they're not. Pushes them sends them overseas on a business trip. Um equivalent of sending them up to the farm (laughs) oh no i'm just straight up talking about murdering (laughs) murdering me as parents and burying them in the backyard oh my god but that's cutthroat's job um (laughs) oh man frecky's hair is red too did you ever think about that Uh, anyway anyway Uh, anyway, don't put um, and cutthroat in a room together that's all i'm saying oh man who would fuck up recky harder adam or cutthroat yes no, you think about it, in that question, you would think that the obvious answer is cutthroat. However, Adam has the power of politics on his side. <laughs> there, and, and he has been able to show that Adam can jump off a skateboard, nearly kill Cherry, and get back on it like nothing happened, 
and that thing has horns on it. Therefore, I think that Adam would actually fuck up Recky harder than Cutthroat, and if you death battled them, Adam would wipe the floor with Cutthroat. Oh, Marissa. The only thing I'll say about Adam is he kind of reminds me of the Digimon Emperor for some reason. Why in the fuck am I so focused on this? Like, I'm solving, like, a fucking physical physics equation. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, back to Courier. Yeah, I think that I think that the thing is that it's a very also understated performance because of how low-key Jonah has to play Courier. Yeah. Because Courier is just so low-key himself until the very end. Like, I think, though, he has the best, the second best death at the show. So. Yes! I love it. It's like this badass moment where he, his bike is basically destroyed, destroyed, and the railgun on his bike is base is like half destroyed. And one of the characteristics for Courier is he has a metal arm because childhood trauma, boys and girls. Um, and he uses that as the other half of the railgun to fire a shot at a flying spacecraft who is that is hunting brother and sister as they're running away. And then I guess you could say that was his only railgun. Oh my god. Even only my railgun can end these. Even Mario's cringing at you right now. And Mario can't touch me. He doesn't live in America. And mind you, at this not too long before this, Courier got shot by one of the executioners and is bleeding to death, so we already know he's fucked. And also, by the end of that, he says his one his his catchphrase, "Perfect shot," and we finally see him die with a smile on his face—an actual godforsaken smile on his face because he does not smile the entire fucking time. I I don't know what it is with me and my preference for some t- different types of characters. Courier is actually my favorite character in the show, like. I think it's that whole film noir, like, kind of understated vibes that I really, really enjoyed. And, I mean, granted, Jonah has played these characters already, and they might be a dime a dozen, but he still does it very, very well. It's very, it has that suave, loner wolf kind of energy to him. (laughs) Just some of his interactions with the other characters is just great. He has great chemistry with the other characters, particularly Macy Ann Johnson, though, as Swindler. Because the two of them have, like, had this weird connection since the start of the show. And oddly enough, the only person who catches on that Swindler's actually not an Akudama is Courier. And he's known the entire time. And he just doesn't say shit. (laughs) He doesn't fucking care. But he, 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 by the end of it, he kind of understands where Swindler is coming from and what she's trying to do. And now that she's accepted where she's going with her life and how determined she is to make sure brother and sister get away and are not a part of the Kansai bullshit, Courier's just like, okay, all right. <laughs> He, he he ends up being more into, like, part of the whole plan and everything. Especially after when it's just him, Swindler, and the kids. 
Um, to which I will admit, I'm very sad. I know, considering this is the cr the creative team behind Daigon Rampa, that nobody's fucking safe. I'll admit, I was sad. I was hoping all four of them would run off into the sunset together. Yeah. Because it would have been f a great ending. But hey, nobody's safe in that show. It's fine. We've established we established this very quickly with Brawler, especially. Yeah. Well, what else we got for thoughts, boys and girls? Uh, well, with Koya. Uh, to me, he didn't strike me as low-key. Like, this was my... Even though this was my first real exposure to Joda outside of the oh, streams. Okay. Outside of the streams, because I didn't watch Beastars. I didn't watch a, a lot of the stuff he was in, mostly because it was uh, Netflix and stuff. that was a little lazy. But, gotcha. Uh, I, did, I did, like, how he portrayed this character. And, like, yeah, he's just, like, pretty much a silent badass, I guess, because, you know, he just keeps mm -hmm. to himself. And then yeah, and then you kind of get to his backstory about like how long he's been in the game doing this. To which, uh, shout out to Coco Mika for playing the young courier. Oh uh, yeah. Which, mm -hmm. if you see Britney's Jack Jackbox streams, you'll know who she is. So, uh, not gonna emphasize any further on that. But uh, I I really liked his his aspect and his nature. I kind of have to slightly disagree on the connection thing because. There was one other person who realized that connection, and uh, it was the reason they managed to escape that brainwashing situation, if you think about it. And I mean, Hacker, of course. As the, no. as, yeah, as the Digimon. You said. You right. Yeah. You right, because Hacker had to dig into. That Hacker had to dig into their memories to figure out some way to kind of pull them back out of that. You right. But I do, but the, the, we don't know if Hacker realizes that Swindler is actually not an Akudama. That's never. I, I think I, I think maybe because of that because you that again there was that whole scene where everything started because. You. We'll, we'll elaborate more on that when we talk about Swindler, but. Uh, the assumption is that Swindler has flown under the radar this entire time, before the Akudama even knew who she was, and Hacker doesn't know shit because he, she's not even in her, his uh, system. Yeah, I mean, so, I, yeah, I can kind of understand, but she didn't have to, she didn't break We're arguing semantics at this point. Yeah, she didn't break kayfabe, whoever she is, uh, but, uh, yeah, I think Curry did a very good job, but I really want to go out to Swindler next. Hey, I just, anybody else got any thoughts on the Curry? Cardi, I don't know if you did. I just, I already said mine. Oh, I'm forgetting things. I'm, it's fucking 1130, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I got work tomorrow <laughs> on a Sunday. Woo! I'll say this. Courier happened to be, my, ended up being my favorite character. And actually Jonah's performance ended up being my favorite of the show. Call it what you will. Maybe I have a, a fucking character type or performance type I'm into. I don't fucking know. But I really, really loved it. Honestly, it was my, it was definitely my favorite. I don't know how anybody else feels, but it's fine. Um, I mean, my favorite performance in the show is literally, like, one of the executioner bombs. No, yeah. Veronica Taylor for the win. <laughs> um, Alright. If there's nothing else to talk about with Courier, let's swap on over to uh, Swindler and Macy Ann. Yeah. Oh, boy. Macy Ann Johnson goes through... Freak, she she goes through a lot of hoops. She's in the goddamn Olympics in this show. Like, 
holy shit, Macy. Because you have Macy at the start, normal, unassuming, just ordinary person, as the character is referred to as. And then the more involved she is with the Akudama and the more she gets involved, especially with brother and sister, the more Akudama-like she ends up becoming. And she's an interesting lens for a viewer perspective to actually, like, see the Akudama for what it is and to who they are, but to also see society as for what it is. Yeah. Using her as the viewer's like perspective and the lens is very interesting because because of the swindler's perspective, you you see how corrupt and fucking awful the society actually is, and it's just like she inadvertently inadvertently causes an uproar <laughs> through simple messages in the last third of the show. Uh, yeah. Oh, she unintentionally has the highest body account of all of them. Yeah, oh, yeah, unintentionally, mm-hmm. without meaning to. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't. I mean, it might be unintentional, but the thing is that, like, she like starts mass riots. Yeah. And gets like a lot of people unintentionally killed. No, yeah, she didn't expect it to get that nutty, but yeah, here we are. <laughs> whoops <laughs> but no like by the end of it because there is a turning there's definitely a turning point I think in Macy's performance and it's when and you can and you can tell me if, if I'm maybe off base it's when it's just her and sister and um the oh t- god that scene is so fucking hard to watch oh it was and the two of them they were trying to find a place to hide and at first they try going back into the city because, hey, I'm fine. It's all good. They're just trying to buy, they try to buy some food. They're going to go potentially hide out at Swindler's place. But Swindler's now um, in Super S rank Akudama when she originally wasn't an Akudama at all. So that puts a, you know, a wrench in their plans. So they run off and they end up finding this old abandoned, like, lookout workstation thing in like a dump or something and the they 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 fill their bellies with some canned food they change they get bit they bathe all this fun stuff but it's the encounter with the three guys that end up showing up yeah yeah the human traffickers that is where for swindler and i think especially for macy's performance that's where, like, you really see probably the darkest point in Swindler's life. Where she is threatened. Her, We have sister that's threatened. They're potentially going to be sold off to human traffickers. Um, and she ends up killing two people <laughs> in the process. Yes, yes. metal as hell. Can I make a curse joke real quick? Oh God! All right. <laughs> remember, how, remember how the Bugle and Alchemist episode? You said you wanted to see Jake packing more things. Well, guess who gets stabbed in the eye in that episode? Oh fuck off, Jamal! Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, yay! Yeah. After that episode, I never looked the same way at a can of Chef Boyardee ever again. 
Mm. He says Beefy. after he, uh, he after says, I ate ten even cans of he ate like ten cans for that one bit. No, but man, like Macy's performance of the whole thing just really shows how much of an up and coming actor she really was. No, oh, yeah, the, like how much she has really earned a lot of. Oh work. yeah, like hundred percent. Like getting to play a character like uh. Swindler, I almost forgot her name. Um, really shows the testament to how much she's grown because I think Swindler is, without a doubt, one of the most complicated protagonists of the last couple of years. Being that, it, one of the things I usually don't like in shows is calling people by titles. Mm-hmm. I hate that shit. Like, I get it, Goblin Slayer. You don't want to make up names, but I think that for a show that is politi- as political as this, having the characters be put down to what they are in this system as to oppose as their real names really works. And just her... I think Sw- Macy and Swindler's final stand yes. is genuinely a really brilliant move on her act- acting part. Because I, I want to say it's Carp Bowski who kills her? No, no, it's uh, it's, uh, it's Kristen. Kristen McGuire. Right, it's Kristen McGuire. Mm-hmm. Um, where she has to play that, oh, please help me, I'm injured. Yeah, type of thing, like a fawning deer, and then she just gets mercilessly like pot capped. Oh yeah, and just the delivery of serves you right. Yeah, is so. Chef's mm. kiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's so good. Yeah, that whole scene and all the symbolism with the big giant iron cross shaped. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. God. It's like symbolism. <laughs> and then it's like, oh yeah, and then the biggest fuck you to the executioners was Hacker's <laughs> last little gift of being able to broadcast live on TV. Mm-hmm. Live on TV, broadcasting Swindler's death. And the fa- and again, as Megan has stated, like being the the little fawn and dan- like the fawn injured fawn, like I'm I'm injured. I'm just an ordinary person. It's the words "ordinary person" mm-hmm. that yeah. set off a brand new fucking riot <coughs> and an uproar against the executioners because executioners are killing ordinary people. And then you have little tiny baby Emily Nees going, "What did my parents do?" Yep. yep. Yup. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... Macy as Swindler is a tour de force in the show. Very. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of helps, because one thing I realized with this... Uh, you know most times we talk about like actors playing certain characters, and like, they're like a touch too old, mm-hmm. a touch younger. I think part of what works with Macy and Swindler is that they're about the same age, so they mm-hmm. not only share the youthful you for curiosity but the words have powerful meanings as well so yep. having to convey that through a character like this really shines through for Macy it also kind of helps that some of the previous characters I know her for she kind of gets let's just say Sean Bean to those shows so uh Sean Bean? yeah Sean Bean oh Sean Bean always dies first yeah so as so I knew it. For, I guess from the moment I saw she was gonna play this character, 
I kind of figured she was going to die at some point, but I'm just glad it was like at the very end, though, where it really had some meaning to it. Because oh, if, yeah. if she had been before the show was over, that would be it for me, man. <laughs> Listen, you can't get rid of Swindler that easily. She uh, swindles your way out of everything. Yeah, I'm just glad like she stuck with her guns to the very end. Like even, especially oh, yeah. as you were saying, even flipping that switch, like where she just cut her hair, like becomes a new person. Which mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always symbolic when somebody cuts their hair and vows to change their ways. It's always mm-hmm. intriguing. Yeah, again, as essentially the audience surrogate or the audience like I th- point of view, it's 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 a very strong thing because her death it takes on a very big meaning because as the as the viewpoint for the audience or the viewer, it gives the her final word serves you right a brand new meaning when you think about it. Hell yeah, yeah. A lot of people forget that. That's actually a callback to her big hero speech in the previous episode yeah. where she's trying to mm-hmm. save the kid. She's jumping up, trying to get into Kanzai, and she has this big speech and she goes, yes, such and such serves her right. And, um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, then mm-hmm. at the very end, her last words are a callback to her big yep. speech from episode 11. As far as my opinions are concerned, I've, the dubbies are already out by now. So, mm-hmm. and I think I, I gave her best dramatic performance uh, in a lead. And going back to what I said back then, the way that she's able to take this very basic character and evolve over the period of the show mm-hmm. and take her voice on that same journey from yeah. this very sheepish mild mannered relatively mild mannered ordinary person all the way evolving into the super s class akudama that is swindler um yeah i just it was an absolute tour de force for me and i haven't really listened to a lot of things that macy has been in so far i didn't watch smiling down the runway i heard it was really good but um but this was her so this was her her big introduction for me okay yeah but ever since it because i'm kind of obsessed with this show i've watched it all the way through three times already yeah um, yeah and it's so yeah yeah one thing that i can say is that after watching it uh, with a lot of new actors i kind of have a hard time picking them out just from their voices yeah uh i, I can definitely pull, pick out macy ann johnson from this point on because i hey. i watched I heard her in Sabakui Bisco, and I heard her <coughs> in the Restaurant to Another World season two, and I'm like, "That's Macy, definitely." Yep. Because yeah, it just this is just a phenomenal performance, and I have, I can't say anything. I have, I can't say anything more about it. It's just it's it serves her right. <laughs> All right. Do we have any other thoughts on Macy or even Jonah? Uh, before we head into final thoughts. No, I'm good. Uh, they did very well. Uh, basically, treat yourself, girl. <laughs> Alright. At this point, our, our mad heist is almost complete. So we need to go into some final thoughts on the English dub of Akudama Drive. Uh, who would I'll like go to first. go first? Okay, Megan, go first. Yeah, I was the person who watched this last of all things. Um, Whoops. 
Hi! I was the person who watched this last. Uh, I waited until my Blu-ray came in, and then I watched it. Um, I blind-bought the limited edition of this show, by the way. Oh! Oh, boy. Uh, to which, money well spent. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, no, this is a fantastic ensemble cast. It was very well written, very well directed. It handled a lot of very messy characters mm-hmm. and gave and put together a crew that is very much an inseparable chain. While I didn't have it in my top two for the dubbies, this was honest to God in the top five. Um, obviously, I have to say this every year, I do exclude Fruits Basket because if I included Fruits Basket, I'd literally have just that every year. Yeah, no, if I had to put together, like, five crews that I thought that were eligible in the last year's Ws that would have gotten Ensemble, like, obviously, 86 and uh, Sunny Boy were, were my two big ones. Uh, Kageki Shoujo was in there. It was Akudama. And honestly, for me, even though I know the people would see it as a sequel, like, it was fucking Case Files. Fucking Case Files ruled. And it, it, it made it so... This was one of those dubs that made it so hard to pick last year. Mm-hmm. Because there were so many good ensembles last year. And there were so many good dubs. And the thing is, too, I think it's actually harder to pick stuff that comes out earlier in the recogni- in the, in the eligibility period. Yeah. Because this came out fairly early in that. And it was by far a overwhelming favorite among the hosts yeah in terms of fan vote submissions like i think almost everybody had akudama in there uh unless they just genuinely hadn't watched it which if you're wondering why does everybody doesn't watch everything there's like 200 eligible shows each year and like i think every single one of us works a full or part-time job yeah yeah on the podcast Mm -hmm. Or you could and have been we... Steph last year who didn't have a job and had nothing better to do with her life. You have a job now. So. I do have a job now. So Yeah, I think there's maybe like one or two people that don't have a job right now, but even then a lot of their time is literally spent looking for a full-time job. Yeah. Um, like, I work 40 hours a week. I work from home right now, but I also work, I still work 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing I like the best about this dub was that it felt very timeless mm-hmm. like you're gonna be like people are gonna be recommending this dub for years let alone recommending the show honestly if if you haven't watched the dub and you've just watched the show like just do it oh you owe it to yourself to so come back and watch it in the dub yeah mm-hmm. okay all right boys who wants to go next you go first jamal all right so uh when i first saw when i first got word about this show i was that's most things in life I was hesitant to watch it until certain scenes popped up that made me interested. So I watched it. I I enjoyed the hell out of it. For one, I'm an action movie fan. I mean, Jackie Chan's my favorite martial artist, for God's sakes. But what really... But and, but the funny thing about the show is, yes, it's all a pastiche of movie tropes and stuff, but I think one of the things that really struck me that I realized this I said earlier in the show that it's a light to get a bottle. I realized now why it's been kind of a metaphor for the uh, past couple of years, if you will. Wink, wink. So, at the very least, this was kind of a reminder of the track times and the things we look to overcome. Mm-hmm. So, 
that hasn't been said, I, I enjoyed the hell out of Akadabra Drive-In. Like Megan said, yeah, this is probably the dub that we talked about for years to come. I think it's more time capsule, if anything. And what and part of what makes made this very good was the dub. Because, like I said, like this was a very dynamic cast because a lot of these people are friends. And I've seen a lot of these people on the Jackbox streams. Except Macy, I've seen her on Georgia Dash's Cruises stream, but that's a different story. The point I'm trying to make is... The the if your casting wasn't up to par, then the dub would be up to par. And I don't think the show would held up as interesting as it was then, as it is now. I mean, hell, this dub was so good. You even got the character design of the show watching some of this. Sidney uh, Yamauchi, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I think that they complimented the dub a lot. Oh, yeah. oh, very like. If you can get the Japanese interested in your dub, you've done very well for yourself. And that's said a lot. It's like the the old adage goes, actions speak louder than words. So come get yourself on a whole lot of this action. Hardy, how about your final thoughts on the dub of Akadama Drive? I When the show first came out in October 2020, my description of it was... So Akudama Drive is Blade Runner meets Smoking Aces meets Suicide Squad meets Ocean's Eleven, and I am goddamned here for it. Damn, that's a combination if I ever heard it. I've seen yeah. most of those movies too, so... I have seen barely any of those movies. Oh, yeah. Smoking Aces sucked. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Anyway. But anyways, yeah, it was just this the show that was just so over the top and so just chill and they had this awesome aesthetic and and it was there was nothing else quite like it out there and i just absolutely fell fell in love with it so much that i it's one of the few shows i actually watched all the way through in the japanese you know me i generally just don't do that but i didn't want it to be spoiled for me this week after week so i i bit the bullet and i watched through and naturally i'm like you know what they gotta dub this it's gonna, it's gonna happen, and so I had my own predictions for the dub, but they were very safe. I'm glad that they went outside the box and pick pulled in talent from all over, and not didn't just use Dallas exclusively. Um, I think this dub, in general, is a good example of a adventurous director. Using a non casting a, a non conventional cast and having the result just come out to the as good as it can because if a lot of times if you use an experimental casting sometimes it falls through. Thankfully, mm-hmm. uh, we can we can thank Brittany and her and her crew for just doing a phenomenal job of handling things and 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 the end result is just just absolutely fantastic. It's my anime dub of 2021, and all I can say is, if you haven't checked it out, let's fucking go. (laughs) Okay. Speaking of going, I gotta go pee. You can talk about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Timing. All right. So, Akadama Drive, as a show, is jam-packed full of action, drama, kick-ass moments, like... It is a roller coaster of a show from start to finish, even with some of the very whacked out sci-fi over you over you sci-fi tropes, uh, whatever. Um, but it's still a really really fun show to watch, like from start to finish. 
and the dub i the dub reflects that like to a t it is fun and interesting casting choices it is some very dynamic and different vocal performances from a group of actors who are known or typically known for like certain character types uh, for, that they typically voice. So seeing a lot of these actors, especially in the main uh, core of the Akudama, like get that chance to go outside of the box and have a chance at showing that, hey, I'm not just this typecast is phenomenal. Um, this is one of, if not one of, if not the strongest ensemble pieces from last year. Like, uh, it's one of my favorite ensembles. I gave it a W for a reason. I, with the exception of Matt's cutthroat, because reasons, I couldn't give a single person a like a, an award for a leading performance because this cast is so like tight knit and seamless. It's again, it, if you haven't watched the show, I think all of us have said it best, and I'm gonna be repetitive like fucking crazy. Go watch it. Please, do yourself a favor. It is such a fun show to sit down and watch and just be, like, eating popcorn, snacking on popcorn. It's one of those popcorn-type movies. It's great. It's phenomenal. And the dub is great. It is fantastic. Um, if you are interested in seeing Akudama Drive for yourself, oh boy, there's a few ways uh, uh, how to watch it. Ah! Uh, <laughs> this is so where it gets complicated this is where shit gets complicated okay i'm gonna say these key words at the time of this recording those are key on this one yep. at the time of this recording akudama drive is available on funimation and they also have released the home video version with the director's cut um, it is available both for streaming as well as the home video release it is also available now because of the recent merger on Crunchyroll. However, a couple catches to this. One, it is for premium members only. You cannot see, even the Japanese, you cannot see it for free in the Japanese. Okay? It is for premium subscribers only. Two, the version that is on Crunchyroll is the simulcast version. They do not have the home video materials or the director's cut version. So if you want the director's cut, you're only option i it should be on funimation right yeah, yeah it is still yeah. there as long as the site's up yep as long as the site is up your options for the for the director's cut are either funimation streaming wise or to get it on home video um there are two other ways to watch akudama drive at the time of this recording one is on hulu the dub and the japanese are both available on there i cannot confirm or deny if it is the simulcast version or the home video version i have not checked it is also available on Amazon. However, only the Japanese version is available on Amazon. The English dub is not. Okay? So you have four different ways to watch it. Technically five with the home video release. Um, but if you're looking to specifically for the director's cut, your only option is through Funimation, whether it's through their home video release or their streaming. Uh, as for us here at dub talk if you like what we do here hi we are the dub talk podcast we tend to do new episodes every friday covering the latest and greatest in english dubs typically anime but we also sometimes broaden our horizons um you can find new episodes either on youtube subscribing to our youtube channel you can also hear the audio versions of the podcast on podbean spotify and apple Podcasts. 
We also have, you can also follow us on Twitter at Dub Talk Podcast and on Twitch at Dub Talk Podcast, where we stream a variety of games every, almost every single day, with the exception of Friday. And if you missed any of our streams, we do have our DubTalk gaming channel where all of our VODs eventually migrate over there in case you missed something. Um, in terms of what the hell the four of us tend to do on a daily basis, um, we have Megan, who you can follow her on Twitter at QueenEra2. You can also hang out with her um, either on the Funimation Discord or the Anime Dubs Discord. Uh, you can also you can find Hardy on Twitter at Spaceman Hardy, and he is also currently a mod on the Funimation Discord, so you can chill and hang out with him there. As for Jamal, you can follow him at Jamstar five two nine nine. I wanted to say one. I'm like that's not it. <laughs> at Jamstar five two nine. I don't do it wrong like I did that one fucking year. <laughs> <laughs> um and. Jamal does other things. I forget. I, I don't remember if you have any other little projects you were working on, or I don't know. Uh, Some people have projects that I forget. I have projects I haven't even started yet. I need to out there. But don't okay. forget, I also help you edit too. I know. He, 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 he among like half of the crew are edit video episodes too. And then uh, my name is Stephanie. I'm sometimes also known as Lilac. You can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review with a view being spelled R-E-V-U-E. I have a blog, Life and Times of Talk WordPress.com that is very much gathering dust and I need to do shit with. Um, but in terms of Twitch streams, if you're interested in hanging out with either myself or Megan, um, who we both do streams sometimes, <laughs> um, I've been typically doing- I'm coming back, baby! <laughs> I've typically been doing streams on Sundays, um, in the afternoons, currently, uh, starting at 1pm, currently playing Animal Crossing, and I just recently started explaining my obsession of Pokemon Legends Arceus. <laughs> And then I'm also I also stream Sunday evenings along with Andrew. We recently finished I the Somnium Files after fucking three four months uh, at the time of this recording, and we need to decide on our next game. I know that we're gonna play Untitled Goose Game, but we need to figure out what we're gonna do after that. Uh, as for Megan, she currently streams on Wednesdays typically uh, at eight p.m. where she's been playing. We're Fire still going. <laughs> we're still going through the fucking blue lines route. <laughs> We're still in the worst timeline, a.k.a. that month that everyone fucking hates. Uh, we're at the end of it, actually. So. Oh, good. Okay, good. Yeah, as of the time of this recording, I think we're, like, at that battle, and then we have to deal with the fuck. We're almost at the time skip. Let's go with that. Okay, good. So we're almost done with the worst month of the game. Uh, good. Uh, is there anything else? Oh, no. Fuck. I'm an idiot. Holy Patreon. shit. Yup. <laughs> I am blanking. It has been a minute since I hosted an episode, clearly. If, if you want to support Dumb Talk in a completely uh, different capacity, we have two ways to do so. We have our wonderful, wonderful little Kofi account, uh, Dub Talk Podcast, if you want to give one little, like, little one-time donations and stuff. As I stall and I get over to the patrons. Um... Or if you wanted to uh, be more of a presence and help us out in a greater capacity, you can uh, join our Patreon uh, where you get fun little rewards and things such as 
early access to episodes, uh, clips, fun little Patreon episode um, selections, things like that. Uh, and of course, that means we have to thank our wonderful patrons. We have our $5 tier with Michelle Travis, Nico Robin, but with Yowie Hands and Victor Mayborda. And then our $10 tier with Anthony Brown, Carly Lestikow, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, Jared Hawkins, Julia W., Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. I apologize. I almost forgot. <laughs> it's been a minute. But you, y'all are wonderful. We thank you very much. But anyway, now I'm going to ask this again. Is there anything else <laughs> before we wrap for the night? Anybody else have anything they want to say? I could really Fun go for blog. some takoyaki right now. Could you spot me 500 yen? Yeah. I'll give it there. He lives in you. He lives in you. Don't test me. Don't test me. Test me. Don't test me. Brawler watches over. Still don't walk into the universe. Why? It's kiss me. Oh. It's, it's kiss me, not test me. <laughs> yeah, it's kiss me, oh kiss, kiss me. Kiss me, kiss me, oh kiss why? Kiss me, oh kiss oh, me. Still the world get you get the universe. That's gonna be my head now. It's We're a banger. Than the, uh, yeah. Again, this is a banger. That's why Look, as long as you have a place in the backyard, kids, I'm okay with it. <laughs> you know, I'll stick by you for the rest of my life. You're the only other man who's ever been inside of me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He was just take, putting in my stitches. There's no need to clarify. Oh, okay. No. Just let it grow out and more. Megan's day. got in a parody song mode. I think that's the time it's for It's like I'm like, married no. my best friend. But so, so Hardy, you want some takoyaki, way. right? Yeah. Let's go. Okay. It's All right, boys. Why don't we go get some takoyaki and we'll let Megan have her little jam fest here. So thank you guys for hanging out with us. We love you all. Until next time, talk on, my friends. Keep it manly. Keep it real. I'll be there to care through all the lows. I'll be there to share the highs. It's God love between two guys. Good night, everybody. So that's all, and all that show. So that's all.